This is the Movie Hall of Fame. Class of Spider-Man for Friday, December 10th, 2021. And there he is across the table from me. The MJ to my Peter Parker. It's Adam Hall. Ugh. Oh, no. <laughs> and there he is on the other line. The Gwen Stacy to my Peter Parker. Oh, I'm Gwen Stacy. Okay. 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 I feel better now. Nick Evangelista. <laughs> Nick. What up? Welcome to the pod, my guy. Thank you for having me. Um, it is an honor to be here. Mm, this is it. Is this the first time you've ever like been here discussing uh, which movie should be inducted in the Movie Hall of Fame with us? You, you, I know moderated our... I've moderated. Yeah. Uh, I've discussed individual movies. Yes. Um, yeah, I think this might be a first uh, power ranking yeah. And it, you guys know me very well, obviously. We've discussed many rankings in the past, and you know that I typically do not uh, follow the consensus. Okay. And it's not out of some uh, urge to be different. It's out of uh, a stupid brain who just doesn't agree, I guess. But, well. Yeah, you're disagreeable. You're a disagreeable young imp. I, I, I do find your Tarantino ranking to My be Tarantino ranking is perfect, Adam. I don't okay. know what your problem is. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting, though. It's interesting. Rankings, folks. Rankings. Rankings are a, a fickle thing. Yeah. it's. I would argue it's uh, ruined the fabric of society in many ways. <laughs> I think so. I think it's led to, yes, many an international conflict. Yes. Um, and <laughs> certainly... More podcast conflicts. If you just saw Donkey's muffin tier list, it basically broke the internet. Yes. And now, now Donkey's in jail for his muffin tier list. I think next week we should come back and do a ranking of religions. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> ranking of That's great. Okay. Ranking religions. Which God is truer? <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, we discussed a tier list as well. Tier lists are a lot less controversial, I think. Yeah, tier list pyramids. They're essentially the same thing. They're just try they're trying to put on the guise of not being as contentious when in actuality they are. Why well, did you like put it, it in the C tier? It lets you off the hook is what it does. Well, because you could say like, well, these are all A tier. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You know, they're, they're all, all good. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's the gold star. Everybody gets a gold star of like pop culture. I don't like rankings. I don't. Yes, this I, is a very unusual thing yeah. because I love them more than anything. I hate them because, again, similarly though, I, I I'm you know, I to to sound like a hypocrite, I actually do prefer tier lists. They do make more sense to me because mm. I've said this in the past. There, there there does come a point where I'm like ranking just feels insignificant and it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything, especially with movies where it's like you know, it, is there really any argument for? Whether or not Seven Samurai is better than The Godfather Right At the end of the day Really who cares It gets into a point of Really it's like Nitpicky small details And Everybody values Different things in movies Mm -hmm. And so You know Yeah Sure but I think, but that's a good way of putting it, though. The idea that everybody values something different, so right. therefore the list is not meant to be a reflection of how good the movies are, but it's supposed to be a reflection of your taste. But that's not what people take it as. Well, they take <laughs> it as you know, a, yeah. right? A a personal sort of, you know, like a like an insult, you know, <laughs> like yeah. Matt Damon dropping the glove in the last duel mm. to, because he wants to stab Adam Driver in the face. How satisfying was that? Yeah, the dropping of the glove. It's, it, but that's what people take it like. They take it as like a, a a personal offense on them. But 
I think by definition, everyone's list should be different. Yeah. And I love it. And that's one of the reasons why I love asking Nick his rankings of certain things. And I've always respected Nick's <laughs> yeah, rankings, yeah. even though I've vehemently disagreed with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. The fact that he has Hateful Eight as his number one Tarantino movie of all time <laughs> is delicious. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. You know, who wants to read the same 10 top 10 lists at the end of the year? If you go now on like Rotten Tomatoes or something, if, if you're like a follower of movies... Like we are. I mean, if you listen to the show, you probably are. You've read maybe 20 to 30 top 10 lists and they are all the same. All of them have the same movies on there. Like Power of the Dog is in the top 10. Dune's in the top 10. Like uh, Licorice Pizza's in the top 10. West Side Story. It's like, yeah, let's throw in Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Let's go for it, man. Let's shake it up. Would you throw in Barb and Star Go to Del Mar? I might. We'll find out next week, Adam, when we do our top 10 lists ourselves. But like... I, I, I do think that you're right. People treat these lists as objective things when really they are subjective things. Yep. Um, and what's fun about today's show is that we're going to try to combine those three subjective viewpoints and come up with some sort of consensus. And it may get competitive. It may get ugly. It may get nasty. It may get kind of uh, below the belt. You never know. It's going to be ugly. Yeah. It's going to be ugly. Um... I wanted to briefly talk about things that we've seen in the last few weeks. <laughs> and I know we've watched a lot. Here's what I... Oh, you want to talk about that? Okay, let's have another hour okay. right now. Let's go. I know. Well, this may break the record anyway for longest podcast, but let's maybe just like mention movies that are not going to make our top 10 list since we're going to talk about them in two weeks anyway. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So maybe like movies that you what if, care What for? if something that doesn't make his though is going to make yours? That's going to... Can I just like go through the movies Good that point. just yeah? Let, let me just go down all the movies that Pick I've seen. The non-contentious in- ones that are not going to make it. <laughs> well, th- th- there's a few movies. The bottom one, two, three, four movies. No, one, two, three, four, five movies on my little list here are older movies. But I'll just say, hey, okay. I've seen those. Go ahead. All right. So the movies that I've seen, I've since the last time we spoke, I've seen seventeen movies. Wow. Uh, Goodness. I uh, <laughs> someone's still un- unemployed. <laughs> yeah. I watched Candyman, Finch, Tick Tick Boom, The Sparks Brothers, Last Night in Soho, House of Gucci, The Humans, King Richard, The Power of the Dog, The Last Duel, A Castle for Christmas, starring Carrie Elways and um, uh, uh, Brooke Shields. Yes, Netflix uh, film, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Are we doing that? And why is this a thing? We could. Uh-huh. We probably should. Uh, Zola, I saw Zola. Uh, at Zola, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the films that I saw that were older—well, not older, just you know, not 2021. Uh, the Clove Hitch Killer, uh, Samantha, and American Girl Holiday. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Was it delightful <laughs> with Anna Sophia Rob or whatever her name is? Uh, Macbeth from 2015. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, which we're going to talk about, and Michael Radford's 1984. Wow. Wow. What a month you had. <sighs> yeah. What a month. Yeah. What a two weeks. Yeah. I saw less movies. <laughs> <laughs> Far less movies than that. Uh, but uh, like you, I saw last, last night in Soho. Is that a contender for your top 10 list? Because it's not a contender for mine, but I'd like to talk about it briefly. Because I think, like, it's a fine movie with a really bad script. And I think that really bad script kind of uh, caused critics to to drag it through the mud. 
But I think like it's pretty good. I think it's like pretty well directed. And yeah, very well. The directed. music is great. You know, and it's that's a, sort of par for the course with Edgar Wright movies, right? So. It's another Jalo film. I like the performances a lot. I love the setting tremendously, tremendously, just because I've been to a lot of these locations and yeah. they're they're just excellent Nick, and poppy and flavorful. Did you know that there is a Soho London? A Soho London? Yes. No. Okay. Neither did I. Which is why I thought this was going to take place in New York. Right. I yeah, went into yeah. the ship being like, oh, yeah, great. New York movie. Let's nope. go. And then everybody's got British accents all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like, what? And they're What's listening to like some weird dystopian New <laughs> yeah. York where uh, where Britain won the Revolutionary yeah. War. <laughs> uh, I would actually go as far to say it's Edgar Wright's worst film. Yeah, I, um, I would agree with that. Um, but a good movie. No, not a bad movie. It's still it's still fine. I, I, I recommend I think visually it's it, it it's it's worth seeing. I mean, just for like original concepts that are being released today, you, you should support this because it is it is good. And I do think it's an enjoyable film. But yeah, you're right. I think the 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 script is really dragging this thing through the mud, unfortunately. Yes. Um, really on the nose, heavy handed social commentary. Yeah. Um, that frankly was done better in other movies that came out this year. Yeah. Um, one that may make your list, may make mine. We'll see. It didn't, yeah. For spoil, Last Night in Soho did not make my yeah, list. Not that one. Pretty good, though. But yes, there's one movie that I'm sure did make your list, which you recommended to me, that did not make my list. Okay. We'll yeah. talk about that one in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Power of the Dog. Is that a contender for yours? Yep. It is. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll save. Uh oh, the two of us saw House of Gucci together. <laughs> House of Gucci. Uh so far I've seen fifty one films this year. Um Jesus Christ. Uh sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm at sixty. Yeah. I've seen uh seven or no, six Spider Man movies in the past week and it's been like insane for me. I'm like losing my mind. What are the other sixty I'm wondering for or the sixty that you've seen? I'm curious. I've seen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen a lot of crap though. Oh, I've seen a lot of crap this year. Now, that's the problem. Like I try to avoid the crap. Oh, <laughs> have I, I seen a lot of crap? Uh House of Gucci's number thirty seven on my list. Yeah, I thought it was actually really disappointing. And and I don't want to belabor this conversation too much because some people like it and that's fine if you like it. I, I just went into it expecting something that it wasn't. And, uh, you know, that's disappointing. Given that Ridley Scott just made the last duel two months ago, that will be something that we will discuss heavily yep. in a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, it, it's, it's really shocking that he made something so lethargic and frankly dull. I just thought the whole thing was kind of dull. Mm-hmm. Um, we were hoping that it would be a why is this a thing movie. The trailers definitely implied that it was a why is this a thing movie. There is a why is this a thing performance in the movie. Um, but beyond that character played by one Jared Leto, I don't think that there's a ton of good camp. No, I, no, well, that's what exact. That's exactly it. We were expecting camp, and it's just not that whatsoever. Yes, you know, and it is. You know, I I, I still contend it's not a bad movie. It's just an underwhelming experience, yes. and it is shocking when you go from uh, that to Last Duel, and it's, I mean, legitimately confusing because yes. of how good the Last Duel is. How, how the same person made both of them. <laughs> yeah, I might I might try to see the Last Duel uh, yeah. this weekend or something. Get back Wish to I saw it on the big screen. I, I don't think it's playing in the theaters anymore. Um, no, I don't think so. Hmm. That's but, a shame. God, I wish I saw it on the big screen because it is a big screen epic movie that I wish I gave fifteen dollars to. Yeah, because they needed it. Probably would have doubled the box office gross. <laughs> I didn't feel so bad about watching it. I wouldn't have. I. I I don't know if that's entirely true. There's a few battle sequences, but a lot of it is more chamber PC. Yeah. So does I, both well though. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, it does both re- like. 
I would. There's a lot of blood in the movie. Yeah, there, it's I'm, very violent. I, I still go back like that final. That, I would love to have seen that final scene in the theater. How the final scene is just mind blowing. The opening scene too. Yeah, it's the, good. The, the opening battle when the like just ten guys get beheaded across the river. And you're like, holy shit! This is the movie I'm into. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's solid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That movie rules. Um, and that uh, I don't know. That's it. I, I saw some other ones that uh, I'd like to save. I'd like to discuss with you at a later date. What are the crappy ones I got to think about? So you saw the, what, the guilty? Uh, I saw the guilty, yes. What else is there? I'm trying to like... Oh, Finch. Can we talk Finch really quick? Yeah, sure. Finch is so sweet, so yeah. delightful. Just a great base hit of a movie. Yeah. Just a great base hit. Yeah, it's good. And where is it on my list? Tom Hanks going right out, right down the middle. It's almost on my list. Right down the middle, man. Just making a crowd pleaser. I kind of realize, oh, now I see what what the types of science fiction films that Nico likes. Like, the, it, this is the one that kind of doesn't have an ounce of world building to it. No, it's just I don't want to hear any exposition. Yeah. I don't care how we got here. I just know that we're here. Yeah. <laughs> and Tom Hanks is with a robot, so let's talk to this robot it, for two hours. It needed a lot of world building, honestly. Disagree. Uh, Hard disagree. It's it is. It's wow is this thing like like paint by numbers, but um, yeah, it's I mean, it's essentially a sweeter version of Terminator 2, which is fine. Uh, It's cool. Um, Yeah, it's just Tom Hanks and Caleb Landry Jones and you go for that performance and that's that relationship rather. And that's the movie for you. And that that's enough. Like I said, it is so derivative. But uh, yeah, it's it's a nice rendition of the song that I've seen enough a thousand times. But yeah, speaking of which, you guys did Tom Hanks uh, ranking recently, right? Hanksgiving. Yeah. Hanksgiving. Hanksgiving. Did you guys like Cloud Atlas? How was that? Oh, Cloud Atlas, Nick. (laughs) Thank you so much for recommending. I love that movie. It's such a gift. It's it's a feast is really what it is. It was a Thanksgiving feast. No, it is a crazy, disorganized, like chaotic film that could not work had it not had actual talent in it. We inducted it into the Movie Hall of Fame. Good. You it did. Got in. You Love did. that movie. <laughs> Me. You we. did. We. No, you did. We. I've come down on Cloud Atlas significantly. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I'm like, you actually, now that I think about it, oh no. Oh no. That movie's awesome, Nick. <laughs> that movie so fucking rules. It's such a big swing. It is a big swing. That's it is so, huge swing. You're right. It's so disorienting. You don't know what's going on half the time. But like, it works. I mean, it really is. Kind of. Like oh, not it, saying it works. It, it kind of works. It occasionally works. I'm not, I'm not forgiving of that pirate story. I'm not forgiving of the spy story. I think as a whole, it works. It is as I very said, bizarre. But I said it was a movie that's greater than the sum of its parts. Because if you take the individual stories on their own, it's... It's. I don't think any one of them is particularly good, except for maybe the post-apocalyptic one. Well, it's weird because the individual stories don't matter. It's the story they tell it's the as, a, as yes. a whole, which yeah, is a very hard thing to do. I don't know what I would rewatch the movie for, I just, but I thought the individual experience I had was notable enough for me to go like, you know what, this is nowhere near as bad as a lot of people were claiming. I mean, and a lot nothing, of people. No other movies like it really exist. It did, you know, I was thinking about it, though. It did kind of remind me of Inception a lot, just in the way it moves and sort of the way it plays with narrative and jumps back and forth. The intercutting reminded me a lot of Inception. But, I mean, they are very different stories. Mm. So Definitely. Oh, yeah, but. one more thing I watched. It's not technically a movie. Might be considered a movie. I don't know. Do you consider The Beatles Get Back a movie? No. A TV series, right? A TV series. Three parts. Mini eight series. and a half hours in total. Yeah. 
Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. just doing his Peter Jackson thing and just going on and on and on and on and on. Uh, the best thing I've seen this year. Oh, cool. The, the, the very best thing I've seen this year. Now, I'm a lunatic. I would sit and watch John and Paul Bicker with no VO or, and, and no talking head stuff for 20 hours. And they gave <laughs> me nine and I was good with the nine. But the footage that they capture for this documentary that was just sitting on the shelf for decades and decades and never used is remarkable stuff. Ah. Um, it is, uh, you know, truly a, a narrative documentary. I think like Peter Jackson. Now he did the uh, World War One movie. They shall not grow old. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and that sort of like pioneered a lot of the techniques that he used in this Um they did a lot of restoration on the footage and some of that received some backlash online. Um, there was a lot of like smoothing out of skin, for example, and, and removing the grain. So sometimes it looks like Ringo is like CGI, um, oh, weird. Okay. but you get used to it after a while. The idea here is to immerse you in 1969 or 1968, whenever they shot this thing, it is the closest thing that you can possibly get to a time machine okay. going back in time and just hanging out with the Beatles. Neat. And it is to even call it a documentary is kind of a stretch because it's not really structured like a documentary at all. There are some title cards that explain to you what's going on, but you really sit there through take after take after take, just watching the Beatles record. Let it be. That's what you're doing for nine hours. There is a scene in this documentary. And if you're a Beatles nerd, you'll, you'll eat it up. But even if you're like a casual Beatles fan or you know nothing about the Beatles, this scene will still blow you away. Mm. Paul is sitting there with a guitar they have, uh, you know, set this arbitrary deadline for themselves that they have to finish an album and record it live within two weeks. So they're scrounging around for content. George, meanwhile, has quit the band. He just left I don't, because Yoko has been hanging around just reading newspapers as the Beatles record. And she's just like in the room for some reason. So George walks away and Paul is there desperate the following morning for music. And he's there with his guitar, and he's literally just strumming, just bullshitting. And slowly but surely, this is about a two and a half minute single cut, or no cut, I should say, single take scene. You start to hear. And he's just doing. No words. Two minutes later, get back. Get, he pulls get back out of thin air. That's he cool. just pulls it out of thin air. And you watch it on screen happen. You watch a genius, one of the five greatest songwriters of all time, pull a number one hit single out of thin air in two minutes. Ringo's on the, on the fucking drums, just sort of... And he immediately starts doing the harmonies. Get back. Get back. And you see the title card. What was about to happen would become the Beatles' next number one single. Cool. Uh, there's so many of those moments in there. Just the the pals bickering with each other, getting in fights. I think that should be an F instead of a D flat. You know, I think, tr- let's try it in this key. You know, I like the word uh, 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 soon instead of uh, later. Like, I like the, you know, I like that word there. I think that makes a little more sense poetically. I like this. And you watch the creative process. Um I've really never seen anything like it. I've never seen a, a, a motion picture in movie or television form that 
that more fully captured what it's like to make something. Okay. Uh, it's an incredible document. I can't believe it exists. I was enamored by it. You might think it's too long. You might think it's indulgent. Whatever, man. I don't care. I'd watch 30 hours. <laughs> All right. Beatles get back. Uh, amazing. Amazing thing. All right. Amazing. All right. That was some Nico high praise right there in yeah. the most Nico way. Yeah. <laughs> Beatles get back. I should see it. All right. Ready for the main event? <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess so. Here's what's going to happen. Fists are going to start flying any second now. Fists will fly. This could be the most content. This is the big one. The big one. For, you know, for something that I don't know about you guys, but like, honestly, I don't care about that much. I know we're going to get really (laughs) heated, but like, (laughs) like I think about like, you know, Star Wars, right? That's that you'd think would be way more contentious than this for us, but it's not. No, because I... I (laughs) You know what I mean? I th- we're in a we're in a closer agreement, I think, with Star Wars than than it's these. True. I think that's the big difference. I think like traditionally, there's more contentious arguments that spin around over Star Wars for sure, uh, which is not justified at all, and people need to shut the hell up. But uh, this is this is our Star Wars, I guess you could say. At least it's sort of quietly become that because we've been dancing around this one for years now, yeah. honestly, yeah. and I can't believe we're only now just getting to it. I think it's the perfect time to get to it, too. Yeah. Sure. There's a new Spider-Man movie coming out next week. It's called Spider-Man No Way Home. That sort of encapsulates all of them. I'm actually very excited for it. Not sure what to feel. I'm actually kind of excited for it. I mean, that trailer, um, you know, melted me into a puddle. Like I, 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 after watching that, like, yes, I mean, let me be honest. Even the worst one on my list is a movie I will still watch again. So. Oh, let me say this, though. Wow. I care more about Spider-Man than I do Star Wars, I think. At this point? I, I, I think throughout my entire life, I think these are maybe the first movies I fell in love with. I definitely yeah. fell in love with Spider-Man 1 and 2 before I fell in love with Star Wars. Yeah, it might be true with me, too. Yeah. You know, I, I, maybe the, the fire burnt a little harder for Star Wars in its peak. But uh, no, I care a lot about Spider-Man. Me, too. I was going to ask you guys this before we get into it. We're going to rank... All of these movies, we're going to put them in order from eight to one, similar to what we did with Wes Anderson. And the number one movie will be put in the movie Hall of Fame. Um, I wanted to ask you guys why you think these movies work as movies, why the character of Spider-Man has somehow stood above the rest. Maybe Batman is the only other superhero that's had as much success on the big screen. But what is it about these movies, you think? Um. Uh, Sp- Spider Man's relatable, dude. Because he's a he's a pizza delivery kid, right? That's <laughs> what it, that's what he's it is. A, he's a, he's he's just like a young kid. I mean, the best thing about Spider Man is that he is a giant walking mistake. Yeah, he's yeah, a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and the thing is, Spider Man in particular, compared to every other superhero, has created every one of his villains. Every villain was single-handedly a mistake of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that he's trying to correct, essentially. And, and that is the beautiful thing. I mean, this whole idea... I mean, most, I think, comics and superhero stories would veer away from that for the fear of seeming like, oh, it's too convenient that everything's mm-hmm. always happening around this person. Spider-Man leans into that and is just mm-hmm. saying, this person, uh, his decisions... You know, he has great power, great responsibility, whatever. His decisions impact people. 
and he is a young kid and he makes a lot of dumb decisions. Oh yeah, I mean the thesis statement has for Spider-Man has sort of always been that he's just a kid that's always in over his head. And you kind of need to have at least some form of that for every movie. I mean, and the funny thing is there are entries in this series that start to veer away from that a little bit yeah. where he's a little too privileged, I guess I would say. And you just they're fun movies, but you don't necessarily care about him the way you might someone who's, you know, can't that properly find the words to say to Mary Jane because he's scared of what, what that will ultimately mean when he does. Right. Cause he knows that all, all the outcomes he's ever had where he, he brings people into the life of Spider-Man has only led to more death essentially. Right. And so. I also think that that whole thesis is one of the things that makes the strangely, this is very rare as well. It makes the stories that follow the Peter Parker, Spider-Man, including like the Miles Morales version or, it makes all of those stories more impactful as well, because now we have a Peter who has learned these lessons and he's trying to teach someone else the same way like his Uncle Ben tried to teach him. Mm-hmm. And it just it, it continues to work even after those lessons have been learned. You brought up a good point, too, with Mary Jane, because watching those original movies again, um, I was reminded how rooted those things are in the romance. Yeah. Um where the other movies just totally fall flat. And we'll, we'll talk about those in a second, well, right? Spider-Man 2, like 45 minutes goes by where you don't even see Doc Ock. It's just Peter and Mary Jane. Right. Yes. There's a lot of that. And so I was sort of thinking about this. Part of it, I think, is the the, uh, the screenwriter of that film, Alvin Sargent, who wrote like Paper Moon and, and Ordinary People and like, you know, worked on Oscar award winning human dramas. David Kep did. Did which, the first one. Did the first one. Yeah. Right. And then Alvin Sargent did two and three. Okay. Um, but. Those are movies that are really indebted to the coming of age genre. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think about the great superhero movies ever made um, and, you know, you look at something like Logan or something like The Dark Knight, like those are movies that fall squarely into a specific film genre. And when you look at it, all of the great movies of all time also fall into a specific film genre. Filmmaking is hard, but it's not complicated. Do you know what I mean? There are like 20 types of movies that you can make. And if you make one of those 20 movies and you make it your own way, you have a pretty good movie on the other end. And so, you know, the best Marvel movies, right, are the ones that fall into genre conventions. Captain America Winter Soldier falls into like the spy movie uh, genre. Um, you know, the original Captain America falls into the war movie genre, the World War One, World War Two thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy is like a space opera. It's a science fiction space opera. Um, and also Spider-Man Homecoming is just a high school movie. Right. <laughs> I, I think when you stray away from that and you say, I'm just going to make a movie about Thor and that's going to be enough to get you in the door. Uh, you're kind of destined to fail. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're just going to make a Doctor Strange movie, and it's not really going to be anything in particular other than a Doctor Strange movie. Um, and so I think like Spider-Man has always fit really nicely, really snugly into those conventions. Well, they, I, I agree with that in the sense that they have all like the, the best entries in this series have sort of figured out how how to play within genre because I, I mean the thing is i wouldn't argue that like the thor movies or i don't know um uh, avengers infinity war they, they they do fit certain genres you could you could describe them as fantasy you could describe them as science fiction whatever um but I, maybe it's the business end of things that i'm more keen on mm. because you would 
kind of describe them as genre pieces, but they're genre pieces that don't have the flavor of a, nor- of a normal genre piece or don't right. don't have that same energy or that same uh, uh, specific quality, I guess. They're genre know? in name only. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Right. And these are movies that I think, in their best version, understood that. But, funny enough, yeah. uh, most of them are also, I would say, full-fledged superhero movies unabashedly certainly that's the other thing so unapologetic about it so they're very like hybrid in that way where it's like of course they're coming of age stories but these are about as superhero movie as you can get unapologetic or maybe it, comic book movies a little more right. accurate you know? as you said nick this is kind of interesting it's uh the villains in these movies are not domestic terrorists that put makeup on their face do you know what i mean it is not villainy rooted in the real world it is villainy rooted in the extraterrestrial or the or the you know science fiction um these guys are bank robbers sure i mean they're kind of petty thieves well some of them are petty thieves some of them are just normal guys that get infected by some sort of supernatural virus yeah uh, and that just are evil <laughs> against their own will and like well that is particularly uh in in the first trilogy some of the villains the actually trilogy. were in self-control like none of them not a single right. one right they're just people and, right. and like yeah there's nothing real about them other than there's an evil force taking them over um, so yeah, there, I, I think that like when we say something is dark and gritty, you think about like the dark Knight because like those are villains that actually could exist. Nobody in these movies could actually exist. There's no like grounded version of Spider-Man, but also Sam, Sam Raimi's making them. So fuck it. Like who cares? Okay. But this is where I actually sort of disagree with you. I don't believe the, jo- the, the Joker is like domestic terrorism would exist, but like the motivation of the Joker is a hard character to find in real life. Well, whereas, it's a mystery. Like, yeah. Whereas like you would find a person like, uh, um, uh, Sandman, even in Spider-Man three, who just, who's just a guy robbing banks to, uh, pay for his daughter's surgery right you know or the green goblin who's just angry essentially because he was fired from a job right you know stuff like that you can't do this to me <laughs> the amount of lines willem dafoe is able to sell can we we'll get to that but like it's an all-time performance holy shit the amount of lines that that guy can sell it is an that all-time performance. Fire, fire. That, wait, wrong movie sorry we'll meet again <laughs> spider-man <laughs> I forgot how many memes came out of that original trilogy. We will talk about that. Holy <laughs> shit. That's actually important. It might be a Mount Rushmore performance. It's so good. <laughs> I just had this conversation. It's with, so good. I was having this conversation with Jabril, and I realized, you know, Moon the Foe might be the greatest actor who's ever lived. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> he might be. Like, not just his independent work and his, his more personal stuff, but just look at his blockbusters, man. Yes. They're fantastic. Yeah, I love like, Willem Dafoe. He's in Nemo, so even his voice under, works good. <laughs> he's underutilized. It, kind of like, is, yeah. In Hollywood. Not in the movies he's in. Yeah. Uh, but he is not put in enough movies, is what I'm trying to say. He's right. great. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of in Lars von Trier land now, you know, just like making well, West, <laughs> Antichrist and shit. He's in West, Westland, Lars von Trier, and um, uh, um, Abel Ferrara land. Right, exactly. Yeah, which is all <laughs> right. that trinity. Listen, if you love it, you love it. Listen, some people like... Uh, you know, Can you imagine like have, have Willem Dafoe and Nicolas Cage ever done a movie together? <laughs> yes, uh, yes, they have. Yeah. What do they do? Uh, Wild at Heart. It's one of those. Wild things. at Heart. Oh, of course, Wild at Heart. Yeah, they one was a producer on um, Shadow of the Vampire, 
and they did not get along very well for that. Huh. Yeah. Well, I feel like they made like a Paul Schrader movie together or something. Yeah. Man, uh, man Bites Dog. Or no, no. Uh, dog Bites Man. Dog. dog there you go. Dog yeah. Bites man. Okay. Okay. Dog Eat Dog. Oh, Dog Eat. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Nicholas Cage, Willem Dafoe, Dog Eat Dog. Yeah. Which do apparently one. is awful and yeah. we have to do it. Yeah. Right. Perfect. I'm in. I think they both have similar tastes though in that way, Nick. I yeah. think you're onto something there. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, Spider-Man. Should we do it? Let's go. Yeah. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to go eight to one. Eight to one. We're going to debate which movie belongs at number eight. We will then decide on a title. We will discuss it. And then we will move on to number seven and so forth and so on. Okay. Along the way. All right. I don't expect a lot of contention until we get to the top half, really. Along the way. (laughs) We have been given vetoes. One veto apiece. Oh, God. At any point on this list... If you believe that a movie belongs at a certain spot, you can use your veto and place it there. What if two people agree, like uh, on this, like say I agree this movie should be at this spot, and then it's like, no, I agree this movie should be at this spot. Uh-huh. Is that the same as vetoing a veto? Uh, no. If you hit the veto, you have total control about. What if you movie hit the veto first, spot. if you veto first, uh, yes. okay. Well, so, it's a, so it's a race to the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> the now, only thing to me yeah. is like. Obviously, everybody's just going to want to veto the number one spot. Uh huh. You know, so like it kind of is pointless. Tell you what you can do, though. You can hit your veto button at, say, number four. You can place the movie that you believe your opponent would put at number one, (laughs) and that would force them into putting the movie that you want at number one. Oh, my God. That's an interesting. Okay. Mm. Okay. That's a cruel, horrible thing to do. Okay. See? Now. Okay. Those vetoes may never get used. Okay? This may just be a, a total bluff, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like an empty threat that you keep in your pocket to get your competitors. It's weird to say competitors. We're not competing here, man. We're just trying to make a good list together. But we, we know we know about Nick. Yes, this we is, do know this, about Nick. The, I think the only reason this is really happening, this podcast, is because Nick has expressed some dissenting opinions on films on this list that Nico and I love. Uh-huh. And it's bizarre <laughs> to the two of us. Right. I'm, I'm okay with, do you not want the vetoes, Adam? Do you want no vetoes? I mean, what what is your preference here? Because I'm I'm I can swing either way. One of these movies is like not inducting the Godfather. It's just like, what are you, what are you doing? It's we could do no vetoes. We could just do no. I think we put the vetoes. No, in. But if you don't no, use no. Them, you get them for what, the Wataddy. We're here now. Yeah, we're, we're here. here now. Okay. We're here. All right. All right. <laughs> you can use them. If you don't use them, you get them for the Wataddies. All right. Which Sounds we're doing great. in two weeks. Okay. To quote Paul Rudd, "Hey, look at us. Look right. at us." Just so we are using the Watati vetoes here, though. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We're pulling them. We're pulling them from two weeks from now or three weeks from now. We're pulling them right into here. Correct. Listeners, our veto stock is very short. We don't have very many vetoes. We don't have a budget, guys. We don't have a good budget for this. Bad economy. Yeah. It is. (laughs) Inflation. You know. It's rough out here. A veto's going for seventy percent more than it's it was. It's tough, last year. man. It's tough. You don't understand. <laughs> and Bitcoin's tanked. They're I backed mean. up in the Suez Canal. All our vetoes. <laughs> all right, let's go, gentlemen. Number eight, Nick. What's your selection here? Uh, it's it's got to be uh, Far From Home. <sighs> wow, Holland number two. Oh uh, goodness. <laughs> really? Yeah. 
So you watched. Hold on. Hold on a second. So you watched. We're already here. Great. You watched. I didn't think it was going to be contentious this early. You watched Amazing Spider-Man 2. And you thought, yo, bro. That this movie might actually be better than Far From Home. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is my number seven pick. Uh, okay. So, yes, that's exactly what happened. Is that exact sentence that you Jesus just said Christ. is exactly what happened. The, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a contender for worst film of that year. That mo- uh, for, Yeah, okay, if I'm showing my cards, yes, it's, it's Amazing Spider-Man 2 by far. Yeah, I I don't love uh, Far From Home at all. I, I wow. really don't. I, I was. I okay. hate it. And your boy's in that movie. <laughs> That's the yeah. worst part to me. It really hurts me because Jake Gyllenhaal, who I love very much, might be the shittiest Spider-Man villain I've ever seen. Oh, come <laughs> on. He's terrible. Wait, uh, Dane DeHaan. <laughs> you Dane saw DeHaan's Dane- awful. In amazing, I I'm happy to switch these two, Adam. Okay. They're both very bad, in my opinion. Uh, well, and I, I wasn't will, going with either one. So I will watch both of them again, but they're both. Very I know bad. which one you're going with, but like, allow me to throw my pumpkin grenade onto this disaster. Uh oh. Uh, I was gonna go with the first Amazing Spider-Man, but if we'd like to compromise on Amazing Spider-Man two, I'm okay with it. I have thoughts on that because I rewatched both of them, uh-huh. and it became pretty clear to me which why the second one was worse. There I is, also rewatched both of them. Yeah, yeah. You, I, I don't think you can make the argument that the Amazing Spider-Man is worse than the Amazing Spider-Man Two. I don't think that's possible. It's not. And the big, the big reason for one, it's longer. It's a greater slog. It's somehow a greater mess, if you can believe it. Mm. It's vomit on screen. And I think my my biggest takeaway. I mean, here's the problem uh, for starters: is that like they're. I mean, the action and and I mean, they're both bad action <laughs> films, I guess. But like. I I when when rewatching it I sort of realized like okay I have actually seen the first Amazing Spider-Man four times just by coincidence <laughs> I don't like the movie but somehow I have thrown it on cable and I kind of realized yeah I, it's not good but it's like a halfway decent cable movie that you could just throw on and do See, some I like editing that movie in the a lot. Ba- in the background we'll talk about that but like there are scenes in that movie that I will watch the movie to revisit like I'm okay with the the fight in the sewer when the lizards are crawling on the webs and shit like that i am i am okay with uh it's as dumb as it is the fucking the cranes with him swinging i'm okay with even the 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 fight in the high school and he pushes gwen stacy out the window and says i'm gonna push out the window now which gave me a little chuckle and it's got a pretty good stan lee cameo i'm okay with Mo- th- there are scenes in that movie that I that I'm fine revisiting, and there is not a single thing about Amazing Spider-Man two that I have any interesting interest in revisiting. It's one of the most miserable things I've ever seen. Like I said, entirely too long, shockingly forgettable. Mm. Uh, I I was shocked how much I forgot. Exactly, I hadn't seen it since I went to the theater. I think it's quantifiably in every way a worse film. Yeah, um, See, it's just I- a disaster. <sighs> It's just a disaster of a Here's film. Here's the problem with everything you're saying, though, is that, like, you're only looking at it from the point of view of, and you're going to be like, what the fuck are you saying? But you're only looking at it from the point of view of, like, what makes a good film. You're not really approaching it from what makes a good Spider-Man. 
Okay. Well, I disagree. Okay. Great. 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 Thank Great. you, Nick, because I'd go. like to get to this. Yeah. Because I think well, Andrew no, Garfield look, sucks in these I movies. Think you're let's get, in, let's wrong. get into this. Let's stop. You're wrong. This. But here's the thing: <laughs> if you're looking at it from the point of view of what makes a good Spider-Man, that's where the Tom Holland number two film does not work for me. Yes, okay. I agree with that. There's. We'll get to that. And and the entire issue with the entire Tom Holland franchise so far and. I like Tom Holland. I like him as Spider-Man. Mm. I think that it is uh, well. First off, like I like an actual young Spider-Man who's like actually a fucking kid, right? And feels like he's a kid, not like a twenty-five-year-old playing a fifteen-year-old. Mm. <laughs> Some shade to Andrew Garfield there, sure. but overall, um, the the whole uh, plot line of you know Spider-Man creates his own villains and. Uh, creates his own the, the negative consequences that occur from those things are he has to live with them i think the andrew garfield series does that the best as much as the movies fall apart i think the story the movies are trying to tell is much more compelling to me i kind of feel the opposite yeah i'm not kidding i do too i kind of feel because because i mean if we're talking about like the lizard here the lizard becomes who he is uh, essentially through his own ambition, I guess. I don't know if it's directly tied to... I mean, it kind of is. Like It's Peter explicitly is, tied. P- he gave, it, he no, gave him something that he didn't... Full, Peter gave him something that he needed that Peter did not fully understand because he wanted some clout. He wanted to get... Well, he it wanted to grow purely. his arm back. He 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 started doing this research because he wanted to have a fucking arm again. Yeah, and then and P- his- but Peter goes to him and he lies, like, "Oh yeah, I came up with this equation myself," you know, trying to like get on his good side. He didn't. He just found it. He didn't understand the consequences of what was going to happen. He did tell the guy, "Don't do this. This is a bad idea." Okay, but and ultimately <laughs> the story too, right? So we have Gwen Stacy's father. Oh God! And which comes idea- out of nowhere, by the way. No, yeah, which but- movie are we talking about? <laughs> that's, but, well, the, that's the first. You one. have to talk about both of them, kind of. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Go he ahead. is reappearing in the Amazing Spider-Man Two, constantly right. reminding Peter that he promised to keep Gwen out of it, hmm. and Peter doesn't, and she obviously dies as a result. Yeah. So you thought you thought this was better handled than the relationship between uh, Harry Osborn and the first Spider-Man, and uh, what happens with the Green Goblin and how that kind of creates Harry. The, <laughs> that didn't the like, relationships between Peter and Harry and MJ. It's like I'm watching fucking Friends. They're oh all passing God. her around. Jesus Christ! Wow. <laughs> I am so backwards on this. I don't. Let me let I me stand up do, for Nick for a second here. Dane DeHaan's good in Spider Man too. No, he's Dane DeHaan's not. good. I defend that guy. He might be the best performance in the movie. I, I think he really likes the. He I gives really me Adam energy. Gives me serious I, Adam energy. I really Adam energy. like yeah. Dane DeHaan. <laughs> he's really, I really like the work that Dane DeHaan has done in a lot of things. Yes. I think that his hobgoblin is awful, but I don't necessarily think it's his fault. I like that guy. I like I, that actor. I hate. I hate the way they made him look. I hate, I hate pr- the little laugh he has. Like, That's I don't like scary. any of that, but I, I don't really think that, like, Dane DeHaan playing Harry is bad. I don't have an issue with Dane DeHaan, but it's a remarkably bad performance. There's not a single moment where I buy a single line delivered. What about Jamie Foxx? We haven't yet. Yeah, right. yeah okay. Jamie Foxx is pretty out. bad, too. Time out. <laughs> time out. Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out in 2014. It's directed by Mark Webb. 
why that guy got the reins on two Spider-Man I movies, know why. I will never know. No idea. I know why, because his last name is Webb. I swear mm, to God, true. that's why they gave it to him. It's a great theory. It's the <laughs> only reason. Stars Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, Jamie Foxx, Dane DeHaan, Felicity Jones. Yep. Strangely, yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. And who could forget Paul Giamatti as the rhino? Paul Super Giamatti. Two, <laughs> two seeds. The <laughs> biggest flaw with that movie was not making him the main villain. I swear uh-huh. to God. 100%. Uh, however, still a remarkably bad performance. <laughs> when New York is put under siege by Oscorp, it is up to Spider-Man to save the city he swore to protect as well as his loved ones. All right. Jamie Foxx, you were saying. Yeah, he's just in it. He's, he's in, <laughs> It's amazing how you can forget that Jamie Foxx was in that movie. It's but such a non-character. Here's one of the biggest issues with the way I watch movies. All right. Yeah. I, I've gotten many criticisms of this before, uh, just in my personal life or whatever. <laughs> um, I don't really watch movies for how they are. I watch them for what I think they were trying to do. And I try. <laughs> it's, I, I appreciate them from this weird third party perspective. It's like, oh, I see what they were going for. I see and, what you mean. Okay, yeah. And I like that more. You try I'm to see way the more best interested. in movies. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm also that. way more interested in what, like, how movies are made behind the scenes. This is part of the reason I love spoilers. I love getting okay. spoiled because I want to watch the movie knowing what's going to happen so I can see how they set it up. Yeah. I'm much more interested in that. Okay. So, you know, just to preface why I feel the way I do, I really, again, I like what the Andrew Garfield storyline was going for. I think it's a shame that it never got finished, but I also see why it never got finished. <laughs> Besides the fact that there was all the weird Sony Disney shit going on, sure. Yeah. I, I also see how the Amazing Spider-Man Two was objectively bad. I mean, it, it, it's also trying to set up five different spin-off yeah. movies. At That's the, same the problem, time. right? That's the yeah. other problem, right? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> here's the thing: I, I I watch movies, I start the thing, and I'm a I'm a big proponent of just immersing yourself in that singular experience, and on subsequent viewings, what a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> subsequent viewings, <laughs> taking your time to maybe analyze it and think about See, what it's what they're going. Subsequent viewings. Oh, this shut up! Coming from an Who unemployed time. guy. That's unemployed. Time, Nick. Wow. <laughs> I'm at nine viewings of Dune. By the I'm way, I'm all about efficiency, Adam. Efficiency. <laughs> I know. Oh, we gotta do it. <laughs> this podcast is gonna be three hours long. We're talking about efficiency. Three hours. Do you know why I put subtitles on? <laughs> efficiency. I need to know everything they're saying. <laughs> no. Um, when talking about, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, like analyzing like the motivations of the filmmakers after the fact, like I, I very much will, sometimes I can't help myself, but usually I'm, I'm good about doing that on, on repeat viewings or on reflection rather, but not when, when I'm so much in it. I, that's when I like to take the movie and give it the benefit of the, of the doubt. But I... <laughs> was struggling so hard to do that this time man it's one of the more difficult experiences i've ever had one of the hardest mindsets to get myself in and these are frustrating movies that are sort of victims of their time you have to understand that they are both products and they were kind of churned out because uh amazing spider-man came out sort of at the back end of the soft reboot Era, not not the the dark gritty reboot era, right. where it's like it's a year before Man of Steel, where everyone was like, maybe we went a little too far with this, mm. and literally you get Amazing Spider-Man two directly afterwards, and people are like, we got to do a little more Marvely shtick here, mm. and it's a disaster still. Right. <laughs> it's but again, 
it, I, I'm not even sure necessarily if the tones are 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 the problem. There just seems to be a necessity to use the license here yes. without any real Which, care for for churning out any like heart or humanity. Yeah, it's like if we don't or, make a Spider-Man movie soon, we're, we're done. Lose yeah. the rights to Disney. Yes, and, exactly. and you can make well, and you can make sort of this same argument in some ways with Spider-Man Three as well. We're gonna talk about like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I, make I don't that know, argument man. though I, don't, I, I yeah. wouldn't because they abandoned that series after three three was a massive bomb and they're like Raimi you're done like it you're a, fucking done dude. it wasn't a bomb it just wasn't critically well no enjoyed. I mean it made a lot of money yeah. obviously but everybody <laughs> hated it and so yeah. like they're like all right you're done working for us Sony will but never I, hire you to make anything again I'm just, I'm just saying I think that it fall it it falls to some of the same pitfalls both movies did. Well, they both have a similar problem of a lot of villains. That was right. a big thing that was That's thrown around for Spider-Man obvious. 3. Right? Um, I want to talk about that when we get to Spider-Man 3 because I have some thoughts on that. But that is the most glaring problem with 2 is that they try to shove in so much stuff. Everything. I'm not sure that's even the entire problem, though. Mm. I think the problem is much more human than that. I think it obviously involves Garfield. We can talk about who the best Spider-Man is, who the best Peter Parker is. I know that's like a big debate on Reddit or whatever. Like Garfield is the best Spider-Man. Holland is the best Peter and Toby's the best bull. Like that to me all starts under the assumption that the performance is supposed to have a fealty to the material. I know. And I'm a big proponent. I like, no, there's nothing wrong with Peter being a punk necessarily. Right. Th- that's where like, I don't really understand this debate. Like yeah. I just want the most compelling performance yeah. on yeah, screen. Yeah. I want whatever the most cinematic is. And I don't care how closely, re- closely they resemble the, the characters on the page. That means nothing to me. Like Peter Parker and Spider-Man aren't supposed to be anything. The movies are just supposed to be good. No, but you, you know, I, I don't 100%. like making value judgments about this either. You can be very close to the comic, but, and you can also, choose to be very different and they can both be compelling that's why i I do think though you have a hard time telling a spider-man story without having sort of that coming of age great uh great power comes great responsibility actions have consequences if you're not going that route with it it does not work that's but but that's about the only faithfulness to the original story that you need sure but so but that was the pitch with these two amazing Spider-Man movies. Certainly the pitch for the first one mm. is that we're going to put the mechanical web shooters in there because that was in the comics. I right? do remember that being a big thing. That was a huge thing. That was a mm-hmm. massive argument people had for yeah. like five months. Do you like <laughs> mechanical shooters or do you like the, the natural shooters? And even at that time, I remember being like, who cares? Who gives guys? a fuck? Who cares? But I cared. <laughs> A lot, actually. And I'm, okay, I know. Well, no, no, no. Here's, here's the I thing. I know people did. I know, here's, but the, and that was the, the other thing, thing about, right? Here's the thing I want to mention about the Andrew Garfield uh, movie as well, the first one in particular, yeah. is, like, I watch the Tobey Maguire movies, and I they're, I enjoy them, you know? Yeah. But every time I watch The Amazing Spider-Man, it reminds me of all of the things that I hated about the Tobey Maguire movies that I didn't realize I hated. Oh, my huh. God. That's this, interesting. This is, that's what it does. It reminds me every time. I'm like, oh, man. I, yeah, I like that they made this choice better. I like that they made this choice better. Why didn't they do that before kind of thing? It always bothers me. Can you explain me. what those choices are? <laughs> I'm really I mean, is it as simple really as st- mechanical shooters? Is it as simple as Spider-Man gets to make jokes when he's flying around? But he doesn't. But I'm getting, I hate yes, that argument. Right. He does that in one scene in yes. The Amazing Spider-Man. Right, it's he not doesn't funny. It is quip. objectively <laughs> less funny than those first three movies. Yes. That's that? the problem. Everybody's like, oh, finally they let Spider-Man have a sense of humor. What the 
fuck are you talking about? Those first three movies are hilarious. They are. I keep like even in Spider-Man three where he breaks Eddie Brock's camera and says, "See you, chump." It's like the best. Yes, it's great. I'm cool with J. that. Jonah Jameson is the most <laughs> hilarious character of the last thirty yes. years of cinema. He's like our Charlie Chaplin. What are we do- talking about here? Like, Spider-Man finally gets to be funny. But that's the other thing. Like, Marvel came around. Marvel Studios and Disney came around. And it's like, now Tom Holland's got jokes, man. And it's like a lot of rat-a-tat dialogue. And it's like, they were doing this already. And better, though. As far as I'm concerned, they were... As as far as I'm concerned, they were doing it better. 100%. So, like, I, I guess that's my problem. Is all of the changes that they made out of a devotion to the source material... I, quote unquote it's not I just, just about that all, for me though yeah I, but I think I, they're all kind of surface level they're yes. superficial stuff you so know? what I don't like about the originals primarily is just the, it's uh, first off I hate Tobey Maguire I just hate Tobey Maguire and you'll okay. never convince me otherwise I hate him okay he's we know. awful yeah he is just <laughs> he's just so he he first off he looks wrong just look at his face it just doesn't look right he just doesn't look human but he's so he goofy. <laughs> he's so, the movies, the original trilogy to me feels too goofy. And it's not that it feels funny. They feel goofy. It feels like okay. I'm watching fucking like Looney Tunes at times. Jamie Foxx right. in Amazing Spider-Man 2 doesn't feel goofy to you with Dang his to, blueprints? He's even, walking I already down the told you the Amazing Spider-Man 2 is very low on my list here. But I really like the Amazing Spider-Man. Okay. Okay. I, I just don't know how we... I mean... It's all goofy. I mean, it's yeah, a, it's, it's about a guy that slings webs from his wears tights and fights lizard people. Right. Well, <laughs> so I mean, when you think about like all of the the memes that came from the original trilogy, right? We have like, especially number three, he's like dancing in the fucking. You know what I'm talking about? The bully Maguire memes have destroyed part of the internet. Hundred percent. And, and they've sullied the reputation of that. Yes, scene. they absolutely. You know what have. else though? The entire, <laughs> even the first movie. It, I, I feel like I'm watching um, like fucking like Tim Burton movies at times. I get this feel. Mm. So what if you're watching Tim Burton's Batman? That's a good movie. Hundred percent. That's a good movie. It, it, it's just not what I'm interested in. It's not what I'm looking for. Okay. All right. You know. <laughs> Fair and enough. And so I, I, you know, that's just where I am on it. I, I, I cannot. I, just, identi- I can't watch them and not think they're super goofy and just like I can't take them seriously. I can't sink. I can't get into it. I don't understand how you can watch like the the Uncle Ben death scene in Amazing Spider Man, and then watch the Uncle Ben death scene in uh, Sam Raimi Spider Man, oh, and because I mean he it's just awful in the Amazing Spider. I mean, the, the first of all, it's like, it, he goes for the gun, mm. and then it's that horrible like Jason Bourne fight scene. Well, the worst part of it that's bad. What's worse is what they do with his parents. Oh yeah, and his in parents the all of a sudden are like you know Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, I know it's so globe trotting around and like oh, but what were my parents researching? What did they discover on that hard drive? And it's not like, once am I ever compelled by it. Shit, I just don't dude. care. Just it's let it. fucking uh, Aunt May just like be an old lady. Yeah, that just loses yeah. her house and has to move out. What's you know? wrong with that? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's just, like, grounded and these, real. And right, personal. let these parents be parents. Let these kids be kids. That's the thing about it. Like the stakes get so lofty but then meanwhile you have no stakes because there's no human drama and that's the real problem here we, drama we're gonna get to that specifically <laughs> with amazing spider-man 2 so one of the reasons why i had this one above the original amazing spider-man and i can be persuaded otherwise is that i enjoyed the gwen stacy death although mm-hmm. the build-up yes. to the gwen stacy death was so heavy-handed to the well, point where emma stone movies yeah. two em- movies is the build-up is the problem right. 
Emma Stone is giving a speech at a graduation being like, life is short. You have to live it to its fullest. You never know when you're going to die. And then and Peter, the entire time, is haunted by this fact that uh, that that uh, that Gwen might die much like her father in the previous yeah. movie. And then she actually does. OK, so there's a lot of buildup and it's a little like, all right, you watch it, on you know, for a second time and you just jerk off motion every time there's mm-hmm. some reference to mortality. Yep. But that is a pretty effective downer ending. You know what I mean? Like the choices that you made led to the death of your teenage girlfriend. Yes. That's heavy shit, man. The problem here is this relationship is so fucking shallow and two dimensional. And it's it really has nothing to do with those two actors, because obviously they're two great actors that are like Oscar winning actors or an Oscar nominated actors in the case of Andrew Garfield. Right. Uh, But. The energy they have is not this sort of like we're meant for each other. You know, you're my chosen person. I'm your chosen person. You know, the scene in the original Spider-Man movie of them in the pouring rain kissing is one of the most indelible images in the history of like modern cinema. Mm -hmm. And then you have here the relationship between a hipster and like his like blonde bombshell girlfriend. And it's it is. Exactly what I just said. It's a fleeting high school romance. But that's what I like about it. That's what it's... Because he's in high school. It's a high school relationship. That is the type of relationship that you're like, you're going to break up in two years after you go to college and it's over. Whereas the original movie, it's fucking hot, dude. It's such a heavy (laughs) fucking relationship they have. That's that's part of the tragedy of it, though, is that like this relationship that doesn't matter led to this woman's death in a lot of ways because he's a young stupid kid but you're making a movie if he had maturity and if he had maturity he could have let her go this is supposed to be a major moment for him though and it's like okay wouldn't it be even if it was a fleeting high school relationship again wouldn't it still be a very important moment peter probably cheated on gwen like five (laughs) that's what what it feels like like. that's what it feels like in this movie like the romance that they have except toby mcguire's peter actually does okay but well (laughs) (laughs) okay so like what are you trying to say but like when they meet on stage at the beginning and like andrew garfield like like uh, you know, like sort of grabs Gwen and dips her on stage, and yeah. like they share like this passionate kiss. That is like you know, hot, steamy high school love. That again is fleeting. Whereas the MJ and Peter in the original three movies, mm-hmm. like there is no one else that they would ever end up with. Like they are tied yes. at the hip with one another, and it torments him that he can't be his true self around her, and it torments her. That he is torn between these two lives. And you feel that. Those movies are romance movies first. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, I think in a bubble, the death scene works because it's, like, pretty effective. And it's one of the only, like, well-staged action sequences in the entire movie. But when viewed as, uh, you know, as a whole in its totality, who the fuck cares, man? Like, MJ's going to probably pop up in the next movie and he'll move on. There was a scene with MJ and she was played by Shailene Woodley. Right. Yeah. But they cut her out. Right. So, so, so I mean, the interesting thing to me is like, you know, yeah, maybe MJ will come in and like, oh, who cares? But like, I, I, I don't agree with that. Who cares? His decisions led to her death. He, that's going to haunt him. That's going to live with him. Mm. And that is a growing moment for him, frankly. 
Hmm. I agree with that on paper, but like I said, like, again, like that's how I watch movies, Adam, on paper. I, I know. I don't, like, <laughs> I don't like watch movies. movies. But like, but I watch movies to feel something and I didn't really feel any. That's like, sad. I, I didn't feel any importance with their things. Like, well, that's true. Yes, you I need think. to watch movies to feel things. <laughs> this is this is like, I don't have any friends. <laughs> I don't have any. Fe- <laughs> Dennis, did you just say you don't have feelings? I have feelings literally every day. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I for me, I like that side of things i like that it's it's pointless and it it kind of is it sh- it shows that he's he's a young stupid kid again mm-hmm. which is like what i want and actually if you look at my list here which will we're, we're still on number eight mm-hmm. <laughs> yes but if By you look way. at my list here the the sequels are all near the bottom huh. and oh, there's a reason no. for that because i'm i'm interested in that young kid growing up side of things primarily i don't Listen, think you they just you're just every time you forget when you go into a movie theater that uncle ben was shot by a, a, a robber that's one of the only nice things i can say about tom holland and and you need to be reminded of it i well, understand that, nick like every once in a while you need a reminder that batman's parents were killed in an alley okay every you gotta single see those one pearls hit the ground nick. every <laughs> single one of the toby Maguire movies fucking dwells on uncle ben yeah, whatever. Way but at more. Least it's the first time they do it. Yes. Yeah, yes. but it's every movie. The fucking third movie, they're still bring. Oh, that first guy who killed Uncle Ben, he wasn't the real one. It was this guy now. <laughs> okay, Shut but, up. But at least that's like, fair enough. Fair enough. But at least Put there's genuine pathos there. At least like they actually developed that. No, but, like, not, but that's the thing, Adam. It's not genuine pathos. It's how do we take the pathos from the first movie and copy paste it here? Hard disagree. No, I disagree with Hard that. Disagree <laughs> that's just that. dis- no. You can you can actually feel the development with how they've been de- dealing with this issue for you, especially with when. Aunt May actually gives him the ring. That's we'll get to that. But like, Jesus Christ, it's like, no, they actually take the time. They do this wonderful thing called storytelling in the other ones. That's actually really beautiful. Uh, I yeah, man, like I I, I don't know, like like y- you could call it like a ch- cheap, disposable high school relationship, but it's a human relationship. Mm. I need to feel something for them, you know? I need to feel their chemistry. I don't want I don't want the entire semblance of drama to be uh will we or won't we? That's essentially the relationship in the Amazing that Spider-Man the Toby 2. Is the Maguire one? No. The not, whole fucking not, not, time. No, not really. Not no. Really. And when they do decide to do that, it's way more complicated. That's the whereas like this one it oh is quite God. literally will we or won't we? Every single scene is that. Every fucking movie is that with Toby Maguire oh my God. with MJ. She's fucking always dating a different guy in every movie, and then it's not dating him. an astronaut. Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, my son, the astronaut. She's getting married to an astronaut, and she runs away from the wedding. It's like, oh my god, stop! This is fucking stupid. I guess we could save this till later. But one of the things that I did catch on my rewatch of Spider-Man Two is mm-hmm. like, <laughs> our three main characters are fresh out of high school, and like one of them is like the heir to a massive fortune yeah. and the CEO of like a company. Right. One of them is a Broadway actress about to get married to an astronaut. And the third is delivering pizza. Like the fucking. But the he's class also Spider-Man. System. And, but also Spider-Man on the side. I will say. Spider-Man has, on the side. Yeah, that dynamic has not exactly aged gracefully. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure these are the most accurate job descriptions. You don't like, relate to it now? No, I think like new high school grads in Manhattan, like just trying to get by, like. Yeah, like well, a lot I more time I feel like passes in the Tobey Maguire films than maybe. But what are they like? Twenty one at the at the latest. 
It may be 25 if you no want to push it. No way they're 25 if you want to push it. Too. No, because Peter's still in college. Yeah, he is in college. That's right. Yeah, I guess. But yeah. I mean, how fast can you graduate if you're failing all your classes because you're Spider-Man, you know? That's true. true. He might be taking the slow route. That's he a good point. That's a good point. Uh, okay, I think I think Amazing Spider-Man Two is fucking garbage. I think it absolutely deserves to be at the bottom. There is, I, I the only compliments I'll give it is um, the Gwen Stacy death. Surprisingly, does kind of work for like a tiny moment. Uh-huh. See, for me, I need you to explain to me why the Tom Holland one is better. I don't need you to explain to me what you don't like about. Well, that okay, one. wait a minute. That's wait what minute. I need. Okay, all right, let's let's. All right, and we'll get to it. We don't will you, get to it. Well, work. let's get to it now, please. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I, we are I don't an agree. hour into this podcast. Okay. There are seven movies left. I'm saying right. I don't agree. Yeah. But- okay. Number seven, gentlemen. <laughs> Nick, you are saying that Spider-Man Far From Home should be here. It should. Adam. No, Amazing Spider-Man should be here. <laughs> Nick, is Amazing Spider-Man high on your list? Don't tell me where, but just tell me if it's high on your list. It's pretty high. Oh, God. No. It's pretty high. No. <laughs> what do we do? I... All right. Nick. And I don't want to get ugly here. Nick. I really, Adam, I don't want to get ugly here. In the interest of good faith. Okay. Just understand that later I'm going to need this favor back. <laughs> I don't want to get ugly. I will agree with you and put Spider-Man Far From Home at number seven. Oh, my God. I will put it here. I, okay? I, I still have not heard any arguments in favor of Far From Home. I've okay. not heard any positive words about We're it. We're not there yet. Spider-Man Far From Home is directed by John Doesn't Watts. Doesn't it matter? <laughs> it stars Tom Holland, Zendaya, Marissa Tomei, Samuel L. Jackson, and your boy Jake Gyllenhaal. For the record, Nick. What? Because we're on the topic now. Spider-Man Far From Home is actually, and this might be surprising to you, Nico, it's my number six. Um, it is also my number six. Following yeah. the events of Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take you on stopped right there. new and threats. And that explains everything that's wrong with this movie. In a world Following. that has changed forever. Okay. Th- these movies cannot stand alone. No. At all. And that's fine. That's a Marvel problem. It is a huge Marvel problem. I like, like I said, I do like Tom Holland as Peter Parker, as Spider-Man. Me too. Um, He's... A good actor he looks correct for the role he can be um you know he he looks both like athletic and nerdy he's charismatic and awkward mm-hmm. he's they really found a real gem with mr tom holland and i was just watching before this him on hot ones the oh, person he's great um you know so i really don't want to speak badly about tom holland necessarily but i think that these movies are fundamentally flawed in the same way that every marvel movie is fundamentally flawed since I don't know, Iron Man 2. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Since, yeah, the Nick Fury post-credit sequence of the original Iron Man. Right, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. It's just they can't stand alone. And that's fine, but this just feels like an episode of a TV show. Yes. You know, we never get that um, Spider-Man origin story, really. Mm. They kind Which, of give us... Not um, needed. You don't need it. You we don't. don't, but why don't we need it? We don't need it because it's been done twice before. Right. They you know yada I mean? yada. It this in, movie can't really Civil exist War, in a vacuum they? is kind of my point, though. Oh, 100%. I think all it, of them are, yeah, a victim of that same thing. There, There is, and, and one of the reasons I think that the original trilogy gets a lot of bonus points is just purely for the fact that every other Spider-Man that has followed it kind of leans on it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Which is, I think, unfortunate. What do you think? Uh, about this one? Yeah. 
Okay. I saw, saw it for the first time because – and the, the, the curtain a little bit is that I love Homecoming. It's actually one of my favorite MCU films. I like Homecoming. Um, but this doesn't feel like a Spider-Man movie. Hmm. And that's my big, bigger issue. Now, again, not to say that it needs to, I guess, but this is what I was talking about where it's like, you know, the because we, we say like, you know, if you're doing a good Spider-Man movie, don't make a Spider-Man movie. But this is one of those instances where the alternative was simply not as good. Mm. Um, it doesn't have a clear identity. It's, you know, it, there's a lot of the movie that just is like a Euro trip movie. And I'm like, like, okay. I kind of relate to it. There's, they go from... Um, what what was it? Um, Venice to Prague to Berlin. I have done that very trip. Mm, well, that's so. Fun. So I was like, "Wow, yeah. this is this is this is delightful." Did you, Mister Fancy Pants? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm that a was Euro traveler over here. That was really funny. Yeah. That was really funny. No, yeah, but, I, I, yeah, but you're right though in the sense that like uh, it doesn't it doesn't feel yeah. like any S- setting a movie in Venice is supposed to be a cheat code, and here it, yeah. it just feels like oh okay we're just by the water there's not like a lot of like italian feel to it it just it doesn't feel like anything yeah. i think that's my, my greater issue it's like it does not that it it was para i mean it, it i guess it's important that it's a spider-man movie if it's called spider-man to a degree but like right. it needed to feel like something and yes. i just it i couldn't t- even even by marvel standards this was just very blah mm. i thought the, the the reasons that it's not like the lowest on my list is because everyone's good in the mm-hmm. movie i still like tom holland i actually like zendaya a lot more in this one mm. um she gets a lot more like screen time and actual like you know room to perform i think she's insufferable in the the the, the first one but this yeah. peels peels that back a little bit to explain why she's good and i, I like I, her yeah i'm not sure their relationship goes beyond platonic in this one though no. and like similar to like we yeah, were yeah, about yeah, the yeah sparks flying like i think you know the the first romance between mj and peter in the mcguire movies like that is like hot and heavy Steaming. steamy they mm. are madly in love the gwen stacy stuff in the in the amazing spider-man that's sort of like a fleeting high school romance and this is like these are two platonic friends that kind of like well, make out every once in a while like it really feels <laughs> yeah purposefully childlike that's the, you know? but that I mean, but that is the point so i yeah. think like you were making okay for you to say that is the point but right, then no, riff right. on andrew garfield no, it's ex- the same ex- thing no but, but exactly but, but there's but this, this is the thing intentional in this one where and it's it not intentional, intentional in the other one yes yes, yes 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 that's Thank the you. point thank you it's because her death is supposed to be this major milestone moment for him and in this one it's like oh yeah mj is kind of like his buddy so I'm not even necessarily convinced that this is the same mj i mean obviously like they're going for that but like like if you notice, her name's not Mary Jane. No. Yes. Well, but like it's all every which every, is fine. You know. I mean, every character in this is like a take on right. The, right. Like 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 Aunt May. I mean, that is not a traditional Aunt May. <laughs> oh, ho, is no, it's it not? not. <laughs> it's 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 a great Aunt May. Don't get me wrong. Is it a good Aunt <laughs> well, May? Well, I always but. kind of had problem with Aunt May being like ninety. I'm like, it's your aunt. Why is she fucking ancient? It's a good, it's a good point. And this, you have a problem I, I with there might... being a smoke show, though? <laughs> well, I, I mean, personally, no, but... <laughs> Guys, I'm not kidding. The best thing about this movie is just seeing Aunt, <laughs> Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. Woo! It's the best. <laughs> She's wearing a tank top. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Going out to a restaurant wearing a tank top. Man. Yeah. God, um, is there anything better than Marissa Tomei? Nothing. Nothing better than <laughs> the universe. Uh, how so, yeah, how you can know, a man th- such as you this, so bald? This movie does not have any semblance of the idea of like great power comes great responsibility. That whole the whole thing that binds Spider Man. There's none of that here. Which none is of why, it's grounded. No. Which is why for me, I really think this one should have been at the bottom because it doesn't what? even make the attempt to be a Spider Man movie. It's no, just it's a- another Marvel. You know, 
fucking uh, check off the box. Boom. We did the Marvel thing on to the next thing. There's well, no the, no passion at all for the character. The, the, well, the, the one the one thing it does, which I don't again, I don't love any particular thing about this film. There are just elements that I appreciate. I mean, for him being a kid, like we can all kind of relate to. We want to go out and we want to have fun. We want to go on adventures. We want to be with our friends. But something is dragging us this way. So in this film does that well like serviceably and that's i guess that's my bigger issue is like i see the intentionality i can clearly i i clearly see what they were going for but i don't know there's just none of that like specific touch that like someone like sam raimi has to make the drama feel a little more like like i don't know like like seething like like those other movies really sink their teeth into you whereas this it's like oh i get it and then you move on well there's nothing tangible about the danger here and that's the other problem i like the scene where Jake Gyllenhaal like pulls the trick on Peter and he goes like through this virtual reality world of his nightmares. Like I think like that's pretty cool as like a two minute short. Yeah. But you think about those Sam Raimi movies, the reason why they work so well in my opinion is because they're tangible. You know, there's, there's a tangible danger to doc octopuses, um, uh, claws to his arms, right? There's a tangible nature to the Green Goblin, and that suit is so menacing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this, it's like, okay, there are drones that can like project images and fool you into thinking that natural disasters are happening, and like it's just more Marvel CGI bullshit. That's like, the there's problem, nothing yeah. tangible to that villain. There's nothing tangible to well, the stakes here. Like, I never feel physically in danger throughout these whole, this whole thing. It just sort of feels like a theme park ride. And you know, not to like quote Martin Scorsese here. But I think that's kind of what he meant when he was saying that those movies feel more like theme parks than they do, than they do actual movies. It, you're just sort of like going through the motions. There's nothing tangible about it. I can't reach out and touch it. It's just this sort of empty thrill that you get. See, again, this is I, I don't see how like the. I don't see how this movie could be better than Amazing Spider-Man 2 with that. There's <laughs> nothing easy because no, the movie's I think nothing. That's fair. No, here's the thing. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, like it's it's bad, but it's bold. This movie is nothing. I don't know if I'd go that far, man. Are you I mean, kidding? It's, me? It, it's bold in like how much they try squeezing in there, but I'm not sure that I think the know, relationship for five with, spin-off I, movies is bold. I, I don't think sure. there's anything truly sincere. I don't about think overstuffed is by definition. I think bold. Dane DeHaan yeah. and Emma Stone and what their roles are in that film are way more interesting than anything that's happening in Far From Home. Not and it's a lot of way more of a swing. Giving, it's yeah. way more. It's a big miss, but it's way more of a swing. There's not a lot of stuff to chew on here. This is very safe and boring and nothing. And for me, that's like more despicable. I don't know. It's a cash yeah. grab. It's just like another so check it, the but, box for the Marvel. Yeah, but so, so is Amazing Spider-Man 2, man. By definition, it's a cash grab. And it tried very, very, very hard to be a cash grab just by insisting on its own existence for that license, like I said before. And But this kind of goes back to what I was saying about the actually the Amazing Spider-Man, which is like, if this is on in the background, man, I'm not offended by it. It's like, I will shut off amazing spider-man 2 i don't want my i don't want anybody to see me watching that movie (laughs) that's a frustrating experience where it's like as soon as it gets going immediately you jump to a scene that just pisses me off at least there are stakes and consequences in that movie though Mm. yeah there are but there is there's some in this i know that it sort of builds off the previous it's that's the, the, the the tony stark stuff is actually pretty compelling. Yes. I think the, the two of them okay. together in Infinity War is the only like serious human dynamic in yep. perhaps the entire franchise. Sure. <laughs> you know, and so which is funny because that, it's played off like there's no connection the way right. Tony Stark acts. 
He's right. Like, okay, kid, whatever. But yeah, like, but that, that's like legitimate like surrogate right. father stuff, and it works. I mean, again, like they're in CGI outfits and they're on like the planet Krypton or whatever in that scene where Peter like disintegrates. But it it does work, and in, in, insofar as a scene in front of a green screen in Atlanta can work. Um, and so I think it does build off of that. I do sort of appreciate the allusions to Tony Stark and his death. And um, I mean, it's good. It, I, I don't know if it necessarily saves the entire movie. I agree with you, Nick. I think it should be towards the bottom of the list. And uh, Adam's on agreement in agreement on that as well. Um, I just don't think it is as offensively bad as those two amazing Spider-Man movies. No. Um, there's a competence to it. But you're right, Nick. Maybe that's even worse. Maybe that's even worse. I'm just I'm surprised hearing this coming from you guys where I think you tend to appreciate bigger swings, not bigger misses. I just don't agree that they're that big of a swing. That's I think my that's real, where I'm that's at my too, big point. Right? They're really in essence not. They're, these I are, think I, I think actually killing off Gwen Stacy the way they did was a bold move. But Nick, let me tell you something. There's a huge swing coming up later on this list <laughs> that Adam and I are going to defend hardcore. Okay. You know, and that was far more hated than Far From Home. Far more hated yeah. than Amazing Spider-Man in its time. All right. I think it's an infinitely better movie. That's what we're saying. So, like, I will I will 100% stand up for the big swings. I don't think, like, I'm going to die on the hill of the Amazing Spider-Man and movies, though. At the end of the day, too, here's the other thing. Is that, like, there is, like, a palpable humanity in Far From Home. And that's that's, you know, predicated mostly on the performances. It's not has nothing to do with the direction or the score or anything like that. The writing is fine, but these actors do a really great job of giving this film some soul. Mm -hmm. I don't detect any of that in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Mm. That's my bigger issue. So there it is. Anything else you want to say about that one? It's number seven. Spider-Man Far From Home. Are we good with it? I can't believe it beat the Amazing Spider-Man. There it is. Oh, man. Nicholas. (sighs) What would your number six be? Because I think you know where Adam and I stand right now. Well, yeah, mine is uh, Spider-Man 3. Nope. Not happening, sir. I'm sorry. Not going to happen. Mm. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's the amazing Spider-Man. I'm sorry. It just, it, it, no, no. And I hate that. This is the thing. When this came out and everyone was like, oh, fuck off, Raimi. And then when you see it, it's just like, what did you say? What I want to know. What happened to people? What I want to know is five years goes on uh, goes on between Spider-Man 3 and The Amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man, correct? Yeah. It's a five-year gap? Yeah. It's a 11-year gap from the first Raimi film to Amazing Spider-Man? I say this all the time. How does the CGI look worse? <laughs> How does it look worse? How well, because, are we taking a step because, back, Nick? Because they used more CGI. That's true. Yeah. The yeah. Sam Raimi ones for Doc Ock, they literally used like puppet arms. They didn't use CGI for those. Mm. And I think we're going to see in the uh, in uh, the new Spider-Man movie that comes out next week. Uh, there's a lot more CGI with those arms in particular. So look yeah. out for that. But there's still green screen and there's still some like lame green screen in that first movie. But you look at this now, it's like a bad video game. Yeah. Like the him yeah. flying around in the night sky, it really does look like a poorly shot video game. The way that his suit kind of glistens, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing real about it. It looks like a oh. claymation figure. Well, the suit, by the way, is terrible. It's terrible. That first, that first I mean, it's really, really bad. And I get the point is like he's supposed like like Chris Stuckman made this great comment where it's like, yeah, they the intention was they were supposed to be able to have made it in his in his garage. And I'm like, but he made 
web shooters right. that can swing from buildings. He can't make a better suit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> exactly. It just looks awful. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. So it just it looks really bad. The CGI of the lizard just looks really bad. Talk yeah. about a villain that you can't feel, that you can't get no. your hands on, that you're not terrified of. No. I mean, he's he's fucking lame Godzilla. He's a smaller lame Godzilla. What's his motivation? Okay, in now, the end. now that's the thing. Like motivations <laughs> in these movies are all always kind of hard to detect. Not, not all of them. Not all of them. <laughs> that's a, I mean, even those Raimi movies to a certain extent, it's like uh, I might I might dissent from that, man. You think? Yeah. Okay. I think that the yeah, I I can't really name the real motivations for any of the Raimi movies. Like okay, I mean the motivation is that like an alien infects one of them and and one of them and yes. makes him turn bad and the other like one, maybe like, the only one I get is Harry. You're tell you don't understand the motivation for Sandman. Okay, I mean, it's kind of a no, lame. like we'll here's talk the about thing: Sandman. the motivations <laughs> compared to what they do don't match. Uh, like I get mm. the motivation for why they're upset. I don't get the motivation for why, why they're committing mass murder and terrorism. Doc Ock rules, but I mean he's just like the product of artificial intelligence that's it it's just and like he's just trying to build it he's, yeah. he's just like i don't care if it's my thing silly. failed i'll build it bigger like right. that's the motivation i don't care if it's silly on paper though guys they do a great job at laying out the pieces to make you understand why they would do these outrageous certainly things. but i'm just saying like a lack of motivation doesn't necessarily bother me in these that's all i'm saying i need a little bit more than this though okay. I mean, Jesus, what is it? It's just, I am a lizard now, mm. and humanity is weaker than me, so all of you must be lizard people, too? Yeah, that was tough. <sighs> okay. This, again, was directed <laughs> by Mark Webb. We established that he... Who's made a film that I fucking love. I love 500 Days of Summer. It's a great, great movie. Was that the only movie that he made before this? I think... No, nah, probably one other movie. Probably. I'm not aware of what it is, if that is the case. Yeah. But I think he was like mostly a music video director. Mm. Um, 500 yeah, Mark Days of Webb, Summer. American music video director. That's, there, there you that's go. what Google says. There you go. I did 500 Days of Summer. Yeah, good movie. That's a sweet movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm just trying to see what else he's done here. But like, you know, a pretty straight down the middle coming of age, sure. you know, summer romance movie. I'm not sure like that's a, yeah. Um, got this because his last name is Webb. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I really think so yeah somehow gets to make two of them uh, again this stars Andrew Garfield Emma Stone Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben <laughs> Sally Field as Aunt May just man did we not have to cast these two actors for these two <laughs> shitty roles Dennis Leary and Reese Afons who to me is the most forgettable villain in this entire franchise and I think that's one of the reasons why I had it at the absolute bottom of the list is because movies Specifically, superhero movies live and die on their villains, yeah. and uh, this is the worst one. I just think it's the most forgettable. I think Amazing Spider-Man is so much fucking worse. Man. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> I, I've I, kind I, of always subscribed that, like, when it comes to the origin story movie, the villain doesn't matter as much as the hero. Well, let it's me, only in the subsequent like trilogies or, or the uh, sequels where that matters to me. Sure, and you're probably right. Hmm. Um, I will say this though, like when I first saw this movie, I thought, yes, this is the these this is the worst villain in the Spider-Man series, and it's not even close. Yeah. Until I saw those that those other ones, Electro's probably the worst. Electro's really bad. Well, I mean, Dude, Dane DeHaan's fucking awful, man. I like. I, I also, <laughs> I also kind of think, um, is it the Vulture? Or... Ooh, we'll get oh, to Kian. that. I think honestly, kind of not that great. Unfortunately, not oh not Keen's per- performance. Doing? Hold what on, not Keen's performance so much as like again the motivations and his like I 
I don't know. He just seems so detached from Spider-Man. <laughs> He's his girlfriend's father. <laughs> yeah, but he was the villain before that. You, you know so what I mean? What? So what? It's because I mean, Spider-Man is creates so... his villains. Well, okay. I he did not create his villain but, here. It's just some fucking dick. He no, doesn't it's need not, to though, create that's his not villain, what it is. It's grounded in something that's so real, which is I'm going to prom. I'm going to homecoming. I'm going to meet my girlfriend's <sighs> father for the first time. And he's a monster. <laughs> and he's a psycho. And how do I sit in the back of the car talking to this guy yes. as he spews racist bullshit in the front? <laughs> I mean, like, that's... I mean, that is such a real fear. That's one of the reasons why that movie oh. works so well is it's grounded in something honest and true, yeah. where, which I can't even say about some of those Sam Raimi villains. In sure, fact. yeah, yeah. I mean, you can make the argument that he's the best villain. I'm not sure that he is, but you can make the argument that he's at least second or third on that list. Dude, he's one of my favorite villains in the MCU. 100%. I love him, yeah. 100%. 100%. Well, the I mean, MCU wow, has some is, lame-ass villains. Yeah. Crazy. I, but that's that. But that's a great point. Like thematically, those themes are very in line with Spider-Man, though. Yeah, it's it doesn't need to be the same idea every single time. But you can play within that vein nicely, and there's a lot of great, interesting, juicy things that you can you know you show on screen for the first time. I don't know, man. <laughs> Were you driven to the prom by your date's parents? No, no, you weren't. No, I was on my first prom. That doesn't I surprise me. Never met her parents before. Had a conversation with her parents on the drive. The most awkward fucking 15 minutes of all time. So awkward. So goddamn awkward. I mean, this is such a relatable thing. Everybody understands, like, when you meet a girl's parents for the first time, specifically her father. And when you open the door, that moment, the moment in that movie where he opens the door and sees Michael Keaton on the other side is one of the great sort of, like, shocking. It is by far and away the most shocking twist in the entire MCU. Not even close. It, it is the biggest gut punch. And it's like, oh shit, this is entirely coming together. You don't often see that in a superhero movie. Like, I think when Harvey Dent got half his face burned off in Dark Knight, that was another uh, yeah. moment where I'm like, oh, you know, yeah. it's, well, the, they it's also, the Leo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing at the screen like, oh yeah. shit, they're actually doing this. They didn't, they didn't tease that either in the, like, they kept that under wraps. Right. Very well, the advertising. Yeah. But that moment is so satisfying in Homecoming. Yeah. It really is. Oh, I love it. It's great. Yeah. Great. But again, like, sort of alters your whole perspective. It, Throws you completely off. You have to readjust for the next like next thirty minutes of the movie. It's great. Yeah. Uh, and even just like the little touches with that, like you said, like the moment where he turns around with the gun. Well, that's a dramatic moment for the movie, but we know what that actually represents in real life. Where it's like before you go in there, don't touch my daughter, kid. Like right. that, you know. Right. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, this villain just means nothing to me. Yes. And, and it was. <laughs> it yeah. was just sort of the start of. Um, this amazing Spider-Man series, which sort of uh, uh, painted, I guess, Oscorp as this specter-like organization. Yeah. Like the entire franchise, we're going to be battling Oscorp and the rogues gallery that that it produces. And of course, we're setting up the stuff with his parents as these That's, like which is the part I think you guys don't like. Yeah, I just I, I, I don't like any of it. I mean, it just it feels sort of. Um, it feels obligatory. Well, like it, this whole process. But you can do that. Like again, it's not. A, it's it, it. always comes back to execution. I mean, again, in a comic book movie, if you want to make a super evil organization, who am I to say it's a bad idea? Come sure, on. Sure. But you have to pull it off properly, where it doesn't feel so stock. Mm-hmm. This has again no identity to me. Mm-hmm. I need it to be a little more threatening, a little more specific. I need it to make me feel things that these movies don't normally make me feel. Mm-hmm. You know. 
I don't know. Show like 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 uh, you're treating your workers shittily in these in these assembly lines or something to make these horrible serums. I don't know. Just anything besides they want to grow the legs of rats and right. Whatever. Hardcore great. <laughs> uh, Nick, didn't you like run into the guy that was in the convenience store? In this yeah. Movie? Well, so yeah. So the guy who uh, plays the convenience store clerk, essentially, like for the compared to the Tobey Maguire film, the 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 wrestling guy who gives him the money, but the guy who plays the convenience store clerk who gets robbed right after, and Andrew Garfield doesn't help him. Oh. Uh, he lives in Connecticut and was at the premiere at the same time. Well, so. it wasn't. It wasn't the premiere. It wasn't like they rolled the red carpet out. No, 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 it, no. It was, no. The, it was the a screening public, that you went to. Right? The public premiere. Right. No, right, it, right. it was. It was the midnight screening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, but yeah. like you made it. It's again. This guy was in the movie. Had a speaking part in the movie. It's not like he got tickets to see the Hollywood premiere. He was at a random movie theater in Connecticut with you. Well, he lives in Connecticut, so yes. he went to the midnight premiere <laughs> at his local theater. Right. Right. And I, I saw him there. Yeah. Yeah. I ran into Ned at Jay Timothy's. Ned, yeah, which far Ned? from home, uh, Spider Man's big friend. He was at Jay Timothy's. Yep. Did you say hi? He was right here next to me, and then a girl walks up to us. Hey, aren't you Ned from <laughs> Spider Man? I'm like, <laughs> I didn't say a word to him. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god. He's just like. It's like, yeah, th- thanks for the recognition. He was there with like his friends, though. Uh-oh. So I was like, huh, OK. He looked at me. and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you looking at? David <laughs> yeah, Han? pretty much. You little short bitch. <laughs> your, your movie was way worse than mine. <laughs> oh, oh man. man i have not much more to say about amazing spider-man personally I did, um i i again I, think like it's a really detestable boring movie and we will talk about it when talking about sam raimi's first spider-man because again it's funny when, when nick said like those movies reminded him why he liked these movies because rewatching those movies reminded me why i really dislike these ones mm-hmm. and we'll talk about like the comparative sequence between when he gets bitten mm-hmm. and the scenes that follow versus the way they're done here and why we'll save this save. is i i don't know this i i like this version of the origin story a lot more okay i really okay. do i i i again to me it feels Maybe it doesn't feel as much like the villains are real and actually going to hurt you, but it feels a lot more to me like Andrew Garfield's decisions have real consequences. Okay. Whereas Tobey Maguire kind of just seems to be like floating by and just trying not to drown all the time, mm. which maybe is fine. Maybe that's more relatable to some people, but I, I just find Toby to be annoying. You hate Tobey Maguire. I really hate Tobey Maguire. Go off, Nick. Go ahead. Go ahead. So what what don't you like about him specifically in these movies? Because I don't think meme culture has been kind to him whatsoever. Right. He's goofy. He doesn't seem like a like he doesn't seem like a hero. He doesn't seem like he doesn't seem smart. First off, Uh he doesn't come across as actually somebody who is smart enough to, you know, make his own suit or like there's the technology aspect of Spider-Man is a pretty big aspect of it and you really don't get a lot of that here while it's poorly executed in the amazing spider-man i think it's attempted mm. whereas sam raimi just kind of um and i like sam raimi but again when i watch these movies i feel like i'm watching uh a mix between like tim burton and evil dead 
starring Tobey Maguire, which I know sounds great to you, but it's like, not what, what I'm looking for. Yes, baby. It's not what I want. Yes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the fact, so the fact that Peter gets bitten, back to what you were saying, right, when he gets bitten, yeah. the fact that Tobey Maguire's Peter gets bitten and then moments later goes, maybe I can shoot webs out of my wrist. Like, where does that come from? He doesn't do that. No, that, it's a little he more messy literally, than that. I watched the t- movie, like, yesterday. Yeah, I, I watched it, too. That's not what happens. Okay, when does he shoot his webs for the first time? He does it on accident. Yes. It's like a guy he does a it that in, had a wet dream for the yes, first time. Yes, he does it in the lunchroom. He's just fucking around with, like, the, the utensils, and then all of a sudden, fucking web shoot. It's like, whoa. Exactly. What is that? And By then he's way, just like, oh, I'm just going to swing off a building now. It's just like... He starts having fun. We're gonna, we, we have to say, because I think Sam Raimi does this so much better. So, do, do I just want to get into it now? No, I don't, because we're going to talk about <laughs> yes, it I'd hopefully love to, much I'd, later on. But Yeah, much later on. By the by 9 o'clock tonight, we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, have you guys ever read the, or at least excerpts of the James Cameron Spider-Man scripts that was floating around for years that he never got to make? How about the David Fincher Spider-Man? Yes. Well, there's been a lot of potential Spider-Mans floating around, but the James Cameron one, like that scene, you read the screenplay and it reads as like a porno. Like it's like, <laughs> whoa! Sp- Spider-Man uh, uh, looks at his wrist to find he rubs it to find a fleshy, uh, like pink slit pop out and a drop of fucking web comes out of it i know i think he describes it as a silky white substance begins oozing from his wrist and it plays like the guy is coming for the first time oh boy like but you know that i mean that's sort of what they're doing in the ramia movies to a much smaller degree like there's a it's it's a physical um i think sometimes bordering on body horror element to it at times it's not and there is also like there are scenes that play especially in spider-man 2 as overt horror with like yeah you know scream queens just yelling at the top of their lungs yeah and jump scares and bass drops and spider-man 3 does that more i think where like the building's being destroyed and you see the women in the office oh yeah but there's just a lot of like women screaming in those movies. Well, we, women don't really scream in those later Spider-Man no. movies. It's kind of a lost art. Well, again, when you talk about genre too, you know when watching the Sam Raimi films that this was made by a genre filmmaker. You see yeah. how the trajectory of someone who made The Evil Dead can go from that to Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, man. It's fun there, to watch. There, there is some horror in, um, in The Amazing Spider-Man when... Um, the sewer it, scenes. Yeah. Well, the sewer scenes you have when Gwen Stacy's locked up in Oscorp hiding in the closet yeah. and the lizard's just lurking around the office. I don't it's mind. It's pretty that. tense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I really don't think it is as much of a disaster. No. Again, for, that movie. For you, a lot of it is Garfield over McGuire, right? No, it's not quite that simple, really. It's 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 the aesthetic of okay. the Garfield movies over the aesthetic of the Maguire movies. I don't like the goofiness. I'm not into it. Huh. I want a more serious. I wanted a more serious Spider-Man. That's what I've always wanted. Huh. I don't want like I, I, I'm so, somewhere in the middle where it's like it doesn't need to be a cartoon or like a kid's movie. Like my, my, one of the reasons I prefer the Sam Raimi films to the Tom Holland films is because they are a little more in the middle. Whereas like I feel like one goes too far into making more like deliberate high school kids films and then the other is just way too dour and serious. It was like you find this nice, beautiful middle ground. See, I've always Sam felt Raimi like was Holland was like the per for me. Holland is like probably the best like blend of it all. But mm-hmm. the problem is that he just 
is part of the MCU and he can't stand on his own. I, That's right, my yes. biggest issue with the Holland films. Right. I, I actually think that. that Tom Holland is the best uh best cast Spider-Man. Okay. We'll talk. <laughs> I, I think, think Garfield is the worst. Can we just say that? Okay. The f- final thoughts on, on Garfield. I'd Go like, ahead. I'd like to say this. Hipster Garfield. Hipster I, Spider-Man. I cannot stand him as Peter Parker. As as a, as a in the suit, he's he's fine. Whatever, but it's not like yes, actually him in the suit, though. It's all he's fine. He's it's fine like, as Peter Parker. Parker. It actually is him in the suit. Okay, but not <laughs> when he's like flying around. No, 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 no. But there's he's fine as Peter Parker. He's a yeah, different but, Peter Parker. He's a very but, different Peter Parker. But he's always like dour and mopey and just like, I just think he's the I most obnoxious thing in the world. Yes, he would, but that's why he's the star in Hollywood movies. 100%. I just need some, like... He's listening to fucking Bonnie Bear records. Fuck that, dude. If you're if your parents died, your uncle Ben died, nobody's telling you what's going on or what's really happening. Like you'd be fucking depressed too. And he is and certainly also, a tortured Spider-Man. Also, That's bear fine. in mind, I agree. He was in high school in 2014. That's a horrible time to be in high school. Oh, I agree. I don't think the idea. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> it's it's not. It, no, it's not the the idea of him being a tortured Peter Parker that I have an issue with. It's just his performance. Yeah. I, I just I could never. I never really bought it. Um, but in talking about him in the suit. There is a great scene in this with him, with the kid dangling from the the bridge. I love that scene. I really love that. That's pure Spider-Man stuff. And when I say I could rewatch this movie for moments, that is one of them. I would dare say, and I know you're going to fucking hate this, but I like that scene better than the train scene. I like that scene better than the train scene. I really do. I I I was keeping really calm. I, was I really, really do call. because that one to me is way more sm- it's way smaller it's way more personal he gives the kid the what? mask to wear I like that I like that what I like are that. you talking about well, I mean between him and the kid it's not you could argue it's the greatest action scene ever filmed I'm not, I don't I'm not disliking the train scene I just like this one better okay uh, uh, I, I really like the bridge scene I like oh, this is hard I really <laughs> I really love how he's like, just put the mask on. It'll make you strong. It's pure Spider-Man goodness. It's it's a great moment. It's maybe the best scene of the movie. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> That's it. We're done. We're leaving it in the past. Nick, anything else you want to say about your favorite movie ever made? Uh, yeah, I mean, here's the problem. is like, I, I can't abide it being this low. Oh, come on. No. I can't. This is my number two pick. What? Oh, you fucking. You, I can't. Jesus. I can't oh, abide it. What are you talking yeah. about? I no can't abide two? it being this low. So pick which Toby movie you want to be down here, because I can't. What did he do? <laughs> All right, fine. Spider-Man 3. Fuck. Fine. We have no choice. <laughs> we, didn't, we barely talked about Spider-Man 3. Rules of the rules. Rules of the rules. Jesus Christ. Spider-Man 3 comes in at number six. Um, well, then that means this one's number five, right? <laughs> that is what that would mean, yes. Okay, so it's I number five so. now. Holy shit. Spider-Man 3. Now let's go, let's go. 2007, Spider-Man 3. Goodness, Nick. Directed by Sam Raimi. Starring Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, Topher Grace, and Thomas Hayden Church. A strange black entity from another world bonds with Peter Parker and causes inner turmoil as he contends with new villains, temptations, and revenge. Again, all of the first first off, one of the big things here is none of these villains uh, 
which this is to me a very important thing. None of them were created by Peter. None of them are really even related to him at all. Which well, I know kind of is Venom's created by him. Yeah. Sure, I mean, actually, really two of them. Harry Osborn. Venom's not, really, Venom's not created by him. Venom just fucking lands from an asteroid. Just yeah, but the only reason he's there is because he says, "I want you to kill Peter Parker." Mm. The motivation is, "I want Peter Parker to fucking die," and that's kind of what motivates the him and the symbiote to blend so well, well the and sim- go after him. The, yeah. the symbiote lands on Earth before Eddie Brock says, "I want you to kill Peter Parker." Well, we'll talk about the symbiote. That's that's sort of an, an issue, but I guess so. You're you're distinguishing the symbiote from Venom. I to mean, me, I, know, I don't. They're the I same. I mean, thing. I know they're not really as distinguishable. But I'm talking about like the way the symbiote, you know, arrives. It's the, or the way it chooses to present itself after it has learned about the world or whatever. Maybe sure. I get what you're saying. This is getting very comic booky, and that's not. I I I just think the storytelling with like, and all of a sudden an asteroid falls to the earth is like not that great. It's you know, sick, here's the other thing but, to me is like I love James Franco as Harry Osborn, but I think this is his weakest performance. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that they stretched themselves too thin and not, didn't give him enough room to do what he needed to do, maybe. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> because I, I, I watched this yesterday just out of curiosity. I had, I, I had seen, so I. I see the, the first two all the time. Um, this is the one that I was the most curious to watch because I had seen it a couple years ago and I thought that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Mm. And then I watched Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 again. And I was really mad. <laughs> and then I went to this one. My God, this is the greatest breath of fresh air next to those two. And it astonished me. This movie rips. I like this movie. This movie rips. I kind of like this movie. This is my number four. <laughs> okay. This is uh, my number four. Hold on. I, 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 I could not I believe this movie five. too, to yep. be clear. I mean, could we're in the territory where I like the rest of them. But, could not believe how much this moved up in yeah, my estimation. Yeah, I mean, it, me it truly stunned me um, watching this because I think, like you, I saw this thing in the theater. Two thousand seven. I was. I didn't hate it when I saw old. it. I didn't, I didn't hate it either. when I saw it. But. I do remember this being one of the first movies of my life that truly disappointed me. Okay, I, and maybe mm-hmm. it was because I remember seeing it. It was the most packed to this day. The most packed a movie theater has ever been that I have been in. Um, it, and this is like before these movie theaters had recliners, right? And they, they, you know, cut the number of seats in each theater by half. Wow. So like we were in the third row looking up, my neck hurt. I'd never sat that close to a screen before, <laughs> uh, watching this movie. And I just remember the amnesia stuff being yeah. awful. The venom stuff being awful. Sandman being really fucking lame. Thomas Hayden <laughs> church being uh, just a really boring villain. Um, and the, you know, of course the emo Toby, the, the dance in the jazz club. I, I just remember all of that being so, so very, very wrong. And you didn't uh, realize how good you had it, man. Precisely. I did not realize how good I had it. <laughs> yeah. And now I look back on this cause of course the big criticism, I think if you read Roger Ebert's review, he'll say something similar. Too many villains, too overstuffed. This shit looks quaint compared to like the superhero movies we get now. Like, That's true. you know, into the Spider-Verse, a good movie has yet to be put on this list. That has seven different Spider-Men in it. <laughs> seven different Spider-Men in this movie. Right? Spider-Mans. Di- Spider-Mans. <laughs> Sorry, forgot. <laughs> but, but pardon my French. Uh, you know, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 sets up five different spinoffs. Looks quaint. I mean, this movie is so lean and efficient compared to the bullshit we got later on. You really didn't know how good you had it. Does it not work at parts? 
Obviously, it doesn't. The amnesia stuff is fucking stupid. Amnesia should be banned from all forms of literature. <laughs> There's no reason why we need to write amnesia plots. In <laughs> you hate amnesia. I hate it. Um, Unless, I mean, if they played it off like he was pretending he had amnesia. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that could have worked, but that's not how they did it. Mm-hmm. It's a little silly. Yeah, I, it's I silly. It's and mm-hmm. but it, it's kind of the way the whole trilogy is at that point. Right. Uh, the Stanley cameo, probably the worst Stanley cameo of all time. Yep. I suppose one guy can make a difference. Enough said. Enough said. There's Stanley no way Stanley knew even what was going on at that point. I think he was like early <laughs> onset dementia at that point. But but despite all of those flaws, yeah, this is by far and away the most ambitious movie here. And it takes the biggest swing, which is let's turn this conflict from external to internal, but let's really turn into it. Let's really lean as far headfirst as we possibly can into Peter Parker is a total fucking dick. Let's spray his hair at jet black, right? Let's, yeah. let's uh, you know, give him this dance number in, in fucking this jazz club. It is maybe the cagiest performance i mean i don't yeah, mean like cagey as yes. in like deft i mean nicholas cagey performance <laughs> in this entire franchise and i mean that as a total compliment um and i you know toby mcguire to your point nick kind of a strange fellow uh if, if you have read rumors and gossip and stories about him um uh, you know, in in the trades, and particularly in the novel not Molly's Game or in the movie Molly's Game, uh, you will know that he is a degenerate gambler <laughs> and a, and a bully, um, but also like one of the most uh, high profile celebrities on the poker circuit. Uh, really colorful character uh, behind closed doors, but you see interviews of him behind the scenes on this, and he's just like, "Yeah, Ramy said." We're going for it. So mm-hmm. I just went for it. Yep. And we really talked about the character motivations here. And we really talked mm-hmm. about what we were trying to convey, what we were trying to uh, to say about this guy who was, I think, for the first two movies, a pretty straight down the middle hero. And this is a villain. And he actually plays a villain and a legit yeah. villain. Does it always work? Absolutely not. But uh, it's messy and it's so much damn fun. That's the thing. It's so much fun. I mean, part of what doesn't work for me is like. You know, are they trying to imply that he's a shitty person because he's a shitty person? Or are they trying to imply he's a shitty person because of the symbiote? Mm-hmm. And he's a shitty person before the symbiote. Precisely. And after the symbiote. Precisely. But he becomes a good person after he gets rid of the symbiote. I mean, so, yeah, the symbiote works just as like a meta, as a metaphorical thing. Though. Yeah, for his demons, yeah. right? It's he's pr- exercising his vanity. He's exercising like his lust, whatever it is. So, right, so I mean, you, but if they wanted the symbiote to really be like a good metaphor, like you'd think it would have... Attached to him before he started acting like a dick. See, I don't mind that though, no. because then it lets the character off the hook. If yep. you do that afterwards, exactly. then the well, character I agree. is I'm, free of that. I, I do like that he is an asshole. Right. I wish he was just an asshole without the symbiote. You know? The point is, the symbiote look, is not causing him to do something that he doesn't have a little part of him willing to do already. Okay, but look at it as a drug. Look sure. at it as like cocaine or something like that. Right. It, it brings out the and, worst part of you. It's not exactly it's the same idea. you do yeah. something that you wouldn't do otherwise. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I think yeah. like that's what I, I like about it. Like the MJ relationship falls apart. And 
and, and because of his vanity. And yeah, it's kind of silly. Like MJ fucking suck it up that he kept kissed Gwen Stacy in front of a hundred people. <laughs> like you can take a victory lap every now and again. But I mean, that's all like real <laughs> human drama. And what does Harry do, by the way, when he wants to get revenge on Peter, right? Peter kills his father in the, or, it, or Harry believes that Peter kills his father in the first Spider-Man movie, right? And he is sought out on revenge. All he wants to do is kill Spider-Man. And when he finds out that Peter is Spider-Man, right? What is his first uh, method of revenge? What does he do? He fucking steals his girl. Yep. I mean, that's it. Like, it is human <laughs> drama. Is James Franco a great actor? I don't think so. Is he great in this in these movies? Not always. But the relationship, the, that love triangle between the three of them, it's palpable. It's interesting. It, there's, After there's, three movies, though, it gets fucking old. It's different in them, though. Like, each one of them takes a slightly different spin on them with much higher stakes, particularly in this know. one, too. It's fucking annoying after a I while know. okay and honestly i gotta be honest with you there's a part of me that like by the third movie it's just like just kill james franco off please i don't and they do piece thank of god shit, james franco but like <laughs> i'm just i'm over him i'm over him after doc ock do you think why do you think i still care about james franco like i'm over him but they've had two movies to develop this conflict very well so by that point i am kind of interested 100%. in them falling apart and that's why I was so disappointed because I thought they sort of fumbled it at the goal goal line. But well, I, I, in hindsight, no, I think like it really works. That ending is really effective. Yeah. I mean, Topher Grace is terrible. Yes. Pretty sure. objectively. Sure. For, yeah. I think, I, the direct- I think the casting in this is just awful pretty much all around. I mean, that's better or part worse of it. than Tom Hardy. <laughs> Here's my thing. About I have not that. seen those movies. I am actually more compelled by the Venom in this movie than I am anything that happens with Venom in the Tom Hardy movies, frankly. I've heard the new Venom is pretty good. The new one with Carnage? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I heard I, that one's good. I heard the original sucks. That's those. Yeah, that's just like what I've heard through the grapevine. I watched the first one the other day. Oh, boy. Reprehensible. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's terrible. <laughs> really, really, But I have really heard, the, I really, I have heard from, like, several different people, uh, some of them who I don't necessarily trust their opinion on movies, but several of them who I do. Saying okay. that the Carnage movie is much better. Okay, so that's can't speak to it. Soulless movie. Tom but Hardy's walking a delicate line here, my guys. About those lobsters. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. What was that accent? Can you explain to me that accent? He lives in San Francisco. <laughs> like he's like doing some like weird like Queens Newark hybrid accent like at times, but then it sort of like goes away. Like, it's not West Coast. That's not Bay Area, that accent. Like, it's really bad. I don't know what it is. It's like his, Michelle Williams is in these movies, too. Riz Ahmed. What is going on? That villain in Riz Ahmed. What the fuck? What that? is that? Like, three of legitimately the most interesting actors working today yeah. are slumming it with this material. It is so bad. Mm-hmm. But Hardy loves them. And... I mean, clearly he's he had a screenwriting credit on the second one. He's very heavily involved. He loves this character. He loves playing him. And I guess they're going in weird directions with the second one from what I've heard. So more power to them, I suppose. Okay. But the guy is kind of entering Johnny Depp territory. Yeah, I agree. You know, agree. Yeah. like the guy is really walking a delicate line. And um, yeah, we, we need another uh, like... Uh, Revenant performance soon. You I need, know? no, not even that. Like I, yes, but I need like a Tinker Tailor Soldier spy. Right. You know, we I just need to go back to basics. Yeah, man. yeah. Let's and just do a chamber drama. Cleanse the palate. Yeah. Let's let's just do it. Just yeah. 
Yeah, because on when watching that film, I hate to admit it, and some people really disagree with me. I actually like Venom more in Spider Man Three a little bit. I guess. I, I mean, I, don't know. I mean, I, it's not saying much, but I <laughs> yeah. think I actually do. For me, I, I really feel like all of the villains in this movie, and I, I, I personally do kind of subscribe to the too many villains thing because I don't feel like any of them get explored to the amount that I want them to be. I think if any of them had more screen time, it would have worked better sandman i think is the fatal flaw to be honest. sandman is terrible and that's really unfortunate because i am really interested in him mm. yeah no to be i honest I, with you i i know you don't like like the 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 backstory behind him but i actually think it's a, a pretty decent fairly like human reason that's not quite there with the other villains so i kind of appreciate it um I it's just that, that he doesn't it's like his use in the movie is so limited it's just he robs a, a truck at one point and that's all that really happens there's yeah. hardly there's and hardly anything just the, the motivation he has is actually kind of weak which is just like i need money for my daughter but the idea that like i'm not a bad person i've just had a lot of bad luck mm. that's the side of it that i want to see more yeah i want to see this guy who's not too smart not good at communicating mm-hmm uh, making these horrible mistakes for the for what he believes are the right reasons. I want to see a lot more of that, and we really don't get it. Uh, Harry, I think, is just not very well utilized. I do like how he comes in at the end and saves the day and kind of forgives Peter. Like, I think that's really effective. But mm. up until that point, like the whole amnesia thing and the way that I mean, like one thing to like, yeah, steal MJ from Peter to get to him. Yeah. But the way he goes about it, like kidnapping her and forcing her to dump him and stuff. It's just like, yeah, it's forced. It just seems bad. I would have liked it a lot better if he came in and was being really if he actually won MJ's heart. Over. Okay. Yeah. I would have liked that a lot more. No, there's flaws to the movie for sure. It's not it's not the best on the list. And then uh, again, also underutilized. I, I just I. I I think in, in regards to the villains too, like like the Sandman is essentially a plot device to help Peter understand the, the purpose of like like controlling his rage and that's really it, you know, understanding that revenge and, you know, doing what you think feels right may not necessarily be the right thing to do, which mm-hmm. the whole uh, Uncle Ben thing, which I didn't need, of course. Um mm-hmm. so that that's another thing. On rewatching this movie, in, in regards to what you said about the movie being fun, I was astonished by how many scenes I was getting excited for. Oh yeah! You think about like like here's the thing like there there is you could argue the birth of Sandman's the the it's most really good. gorgeous thing in this entire trilogy. It's beautiful. It is. It's up there. Yeah. Each Sam Raimi film has what one are you of talking those. About? Like, the birth of Sandman scenes. You talking great. about where he's like stuck in the thing that's spinning and the sand yeah. enters the DNA? Not that's, not so much when he. It looks so fucking dumb. Not so much when he dies. No, I mean when he's coming out exactly. of the sand. Exactly. When he oh, rises when from, he's the, rising from so the sand. It's so beautiful. Yeah, that, yeah. okay, that's, that, that's pretty when, cool. When, yeah, essentially, right, he starts to, like, find his shape and then collapses. And it, and it, and it collapses. doesn't quite do it right. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I do like that. That was, that was very beautiful. But, like, that could have been p- a short film. Just, yeah, like, it, just like, just that visually, no words. It's phenomenal. And, like, going back to that, too, like, like to your point, though, um, and you're right about that, by the way. The no words, just purely cinematic. Ugh, I love it. Um, but like when <laughs> when he dies, and they're like, there's a change in the particle mass. Oh, it's probably a bird. It's like you're you're guarding this place with a gate. You don't think like a little kid might get a little adventurous and sneak out at night and go over the fence and fall into this pit? Like, why don't you check to see if it's well, more than also, a bird? Why do you want a bird in there? Exactly. <laughs> it like, makes me wonder how many sandbirds are flying around. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, the worst fucking line. I was just like, what is what are you what, what are you talking about? Right. Um, 
but the, like go, going back to just more things that I just really, really love. Like, I'm gonna be honest. Like, like I know we, we rag on Venom a lot, but I love the birth of Venom in this movie. I love the bell tower scene. I love how they kill him. It's great. Yeah, I, I love how they. It's, kill it's inventive him. and creative. It's like sure, oh, I never would have thought of that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of visually memorable stuff in this, and even in the beginning, like you can just tell that this is made by a guy that really has a visionary mindset. So just like the way, even when they're looking at the stars, which is really cheesy, but like when they're kissing on that web, and then the camera goes through the web, and mm-hmm. it looks at them through the night sky, and then the meteor comes down, yeah. like. It's just really, really careful and smart direction that just sticks with me, even though like it's not always put in like the best context of like a wonderful scene. It's like, you know, it made me feel something. Right. It it, it moved me. I'm sorry, guys. I I agree entirely. I think this movie's reputation is uh, just unfair. Yes. Frankly, I I, I think like it has been underestimated for over a decade now and everyone needs to revisit this and watch this because it is uh, by far and away the most underrated. Spider-Man mm-hmm. movie and it is not even fucking close yep and McGuire in this it just remarkable I love him I truly <laughs> yeah, loved him I don't know we're gonna get I guess we're, he's we're such a talk. I don't know I, I I just I I can't stand him I think he's reprehensible uh <laughs> okay and, and those just, memes that come out of it those I, memes that are making fun of him they're not laughing with him guys but that's the thing though like if you hate Tobey Maguire this is the movie for you <laughs> like if you find him to be like an insufferable prick I mean this is the movie that leans into that he this doesn't one play that him. well though he doesn't oh, even play oh, that I well so disagree well wait. I so disagree <laughs> some scenes he does also, but, I, I don't but understand like, how MJ could ever forgive him for the things he does in this oh what does he like, do i don't know i, I mean know. like i know you guys are like oh he kisses gwen stacy it's like yeah it's not just he kisses some chick he saved for for a photo he kisses a girl that like is his lab partner that he spends every day with like it's a lot worse than that yeah it's fine it's it's essentially cheating right uh <laughs> He didn't and then his- he punches Mary Jane in the fucking face. He doesn't punch her. In the- he just pushes her down. He punches her. No. No. I love Full the ending fisted. of this. Full-fisted. Punch to the face. I love the ending of this movie, by the way. Yeah. I love how understated it is and how I, I don't understand how is. she could ever forgive him. I don't understand how he could ever be forgiven. That's it's, part of the conflict of the movie, though. That's part of why I'm compelled by it. It's like, because you're asking those questions, Nick. It's like, in that moment, I'm kind of right there with Peter. Like, how is she going to forgive him? Right. And what's beautiful is that somehow she does. Right. Where as opposed to like the Spider-Man movies, it's like, but babe, what if you die? <laughs> and it's my fault. And she's like, I don't care about that. I love you. But like, your father said that you might die. And, like, that's all it like. Compare it to this, which is, yeah, there are actual stakes to it. And in the action, too, those stakes sort of translate. Mm -hmm. When he first fights with Harry and the wedding ring almost falls to the ground. Like, that's just a very simple way of grounding a ridiculous CGI clusterfuck in real human stakes. Make the wedding ring the centerpiece of that battle. You know what I mean? Don't make just the spectacle of the battle speak for itself. That's what I love about Sam Raimi movies, right? He doesn't lose sight of the details. He doesn't lose sight of no. like what you can feel and what you can touch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it rocks. I mean, it's it's so stupid that they stopped. It, in hindsight, too, they for uh, went these movies uh, for for gone for for went for went. How do you okay. forego something in past tense? 
they uh, skip those movies. They stop making them. <laughs> in order to make the two amazing Spider-Man movies, and it's like, God, Raimi should have made like three more. Why did we ever stop? Like, he's allowed one bad movie, you guys. Yeah. Uh, Today, yeah. what they would have done is just probably continue the franchise with a new director. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. You know? But I don't know. Like, I love, this is, I, I've always believed that Sam Raimi has, uh, there, there are fewer things that Sam Raimi's been as perfectly suited for as this. It's like this and Evil Dead and, it's that's it that's his that's his jam mm. <laughs> all right yeah this is the one of the sam raimi films that i i'm not huge on i i still like it i still think it's fun but it just it feels so much like a missed opportunity you're in, not even totally wrong that's in the many point. regards it just kind of it feels like it just it it could have been he could have made three movies out of the plots in this yes I agree that there's a lot of shortcomings. It's far from perfect. There's a lot there. There is there is plenty of bad. You're not you're not wrong. There are there are moments in this movie where I'm like, that was not good. Um, but man, the highs are wonderful. It's like if you if you I don't know if you bring a buffet out to me and you have a bunch of mediocre to shitty food, that's whatever. But like Jesus Christ, you bring in this pizza, like thirteen pizzas from Rome. I'm like, I don't care. Mm. Fuck yeah, I'm eating the pizza, <laughs> and it's gonna make my night. <laughs> so yeah underrated as hell uh that would be spider-man 3 at number six (laughs) number six Uh, number five is amazing spider-man right so now we're on to number four here's uh we're two hours in and we're halfway through two hours in two hours halfway Uh, through let's recap uh, where we're at number eight the amazing spider-man 2 number seven spider-man far from home Number six, Spider-Man three. Jesus five, Christ. The amazing Spider-Man. Nick, what would your number four be? This list sounds perfect to me so far. Well, nearly perfect. Yeah. Um, except for that amazing Spider-Man being not number two. Oh, my God. Uh, it's got to be uh, Homecoming. Number, f- number four? Yes. Homecoming. I don't think this is going to. I don't I don't I actually don't know if the rest really? is going to be super contentious. Sweet. Number four is Homecoming. Yep. 2017 Spider-Man Homecoming, I think uh, perfectly nestled right in the middle of this list. I think it's a good spot for it. Directed by John Watts, who uh, previously did an indie movie called Cop Car with Kevin Bacon. Good movie. Um, And, uh, you know, in the way that Disney often does this, they snatched him up from the indie market and just said, here, man, here's $200 million. Make what you want with Spider-Man. I don't understand how you watch Cop Car and think that Spider-Man, it's really strange yes why well, haven't I, seen it i don't understand why people think it's a good idea to take a director and just give them five times the amount of money they've ever seen because yes. you can control them right but the only <laughs> it's just i mean as we've seen with like i don't know maybe somebody like david lynch like they don't necessarily make better movies with more money no yeah the chloe Zhao thing is a pretty uh, searing indictment of this model right. yeah. yeah it's not it's not good to do that i mean sometimes they need like adversity can sometimes make better product, right? I mean, I, so. I'm starting to buy into the conspiracy that they do it just to shut out like interesting artists who could maybe shake things up. The more it happens, I'm like, we lost, we've lost a lot of great like young I, filmmakers. I'm not even. I, I, think I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think I, it's right. just market forces. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if it's. Yeah, like necessarily like this nefarious thing or even if they're doing it on purpose. But I just think in the past they've had experience working with, you know, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller on Solo and uh, Gareth uh, Edwards on on, uh, Rogue One. And like they haven't had a lot of luck with auteurs breaking the formula. So you bring in a person, you're right, that doesn't have the clout to say fuck you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of what John Watts is. Not to, you know, uh, speak too ill of John Watts, who I think does a very good job with this movie, yeah, uh, which once again stars Tom Holland, Michael Keaton, Robert Downey Jr., Marissa Tomei, John Favreau, and Zendaya. Peter Parker balances his life as an ordinary high school student in Queens with his superhero alter ego Spider-Man and finds himself on the trail of a new menace prowling the skies of New York City. Yep. We talked about the Michael Keaton of it all, I think, yes. uh, enough. Um, and I stand behind what I just said on that. But the Robert Downey Jr. angle, I I think, is also pretty good. Pretty good. And I think it's kind of like the heartbeat of this movie. And, mm-hmm. it, and it really... Uh, I think subverts expectations because you go into it being like, this is just a way to bring Spider-Man into the Avengers continuity. This is just a way to get Robert Downey Jr. into the movie in in order to like uh, satisfy his eight picture deal. But um, there is a genuine relationship here and you can't say that about most of the relationships in the MCU. Well, it's fitting for Robert Downey Jr. too because you're right. I think a lot of people would have seen that and thought, okay, we're just getting Iron Man doing Iron Man stuff because it needs to be a Marvel movie. But of all the characters to be the father figure, it's most appropriate for Tony Stark to go through that change, Mm -hmm. particularly through what he went through with his father and sort of making up for his father's mistakes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And you feel it in his performance. And there's even instances where it's like, fuck, I sound like my dad, you Mm -hmm. know, instances like that that are just tiny indeed little little details but they always land and this is just a nice sweet accessible movie and i could watch this a thousand times and never really get sick of it i'm i this is the coziest spider-man movie for me Mm. and i i love it yeah i really love it (laughs) yeah nick i i I don't feel him like balancing being spider-man with his regular life quite as much as maybe some of the other movies like spider-man 2 i think is the best example of that where because he's failing at everything that's what that's what works about spider-man 2 is he's failing at school he's failing at his job he's failing as spider-man even Mm -hmm. and that's part of what really works there so that 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 work-life balance that they throw as the first line in the description of this movie i don't really feel personally (laughs) well the problem Uh, with the the problem but, with these movies, to, to what you're saying, is that like I, I alluded to this at the beginning of the pod, is that like Spider-Man always feels too like privileged. He has too much at his disposal. It doesn't really seem like his life is that bad. Well, and that's okay. Yes and no. I, I think let's look at the apartments, for example. Right. Yeah. Let's look at the apartment that he lives in with Marissa Tomei in this movie. Yeah. Like it is luxurious like it's like on the upper west side it seems like yeah uh just like really well furnished yeah. the the wallpaper is not falling off like and when uh, robert downey jr shows up as tony stark to this apartment he doesn't seem out of place in it it no. seems very similar to the uh, to an apartment that robert downey jr might own himself mm-hmm. look at spider-man 2 man look at the apartment and three look at the apartment that tony give me rent. moves into give me yes. rent. Yeah. give me rent that place is a shithole but that is in my opinion the most realistic New York City apartment I have seen in any major blockbuster. No, I'm agreeing with you in the Spider-Man too. Right. I'm saying, like, I'm saying in Homecoming, that's the issue. Right. With, Homecoming, with the, he gets all the gadgets. Exactly. Tony yeah, Stark yeah. gives him gadgets. Well, and, exactly, and also just exactly. the Tom Holland. Again, that's it's yeah. it's the Tom Holland aesthetic of the MCU here. It's he's going on a trip to Europe. Spider-Man could never afford to go to Europe. <laughs> right. You yes. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah like it, fucking Aunt May is getting kicked out of her like house in Queens. Right. Her, like, yeah. one bedroom. Whereas, like, th- this one, though, like, uh, 
Yeah, I, I appreciate that it stays kind of small. I appreciate that it doesn't redo the origin story. It's a little more colorful than the sequel. It's also way funnier. That's the other thing. I just didn't really laugh that much in Far From Home. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, man. I, I mean, even just from the opening, like when they start playing Blitzkrieg Bop, yeah. that's just a great little needle, needle drop mm-hmm. that just sells so well. And it does a great job at introducing you into the, the type of Spider-Man that Tom Holland's going to be, where he's like, is this anybody's bike? No. Mm-hmm. I love Tom Holland constantly calling happy. Yeah. I love that. Just mm-hmm. constantly leaving him messages. They don't do a good origin story thing here because he's already been introduced, but they do kind of make up for it with, you know, showing past videotapes and stuff at the beginning. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. It's fine. But... It just suffers from Marvel <laughs> syndrome so much. I, I agree. It's it's, it's it a really disp- does. Michael it, Keaton's great, but yes. I, I think that the Vulture is just like a, kind of a weak villain in general. Always has been, and I feel like his motivations are kind of not great. They're kind of just meh, and it's it's just like oh, we have this alien tech, and I'm gonna use it to rob people. Yeah. Fair enough. And you know, yeah, I mean, they're simple it, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with the blimp at the or not, it's not a blimp. It's a it's a the, the private jet or whatever yeah. that sort of right that uh, turns invisible in the night sky. Like that's a big outrageous scene that doesn't. I never get excited for that. Right. Yeah. Well, and also it's just like he he's just like he just he could just work a normal job. Like there's nothing stopping him. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I just I just don't. He jumps on the opportunity after, like, he, he's been, like, like used improperly by, like, the government, essentially, to the, do, like, dirty the, work. Or just the best part work, of this but... movie, though, I think we can all agree, is what the movie's named after, which is literally, like you said, going to her house, the car ride to prom, mm-hmm. him talking to Peter and saying, stay out of it, and then Peter choosing to ignore him and getting ambushed. And yeah. that, from, from those moments, that's the best part of this movie, but the rest of it, I could not care less for. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how pumped i get when he's lifting the concrete blocks off of him and saying come on spider-man mm. and just just me going like Woo! go spider-man <laughs> i love it yeah i i think um in the moment it was certainly like an exhilarating marvel movie and it was really fun in the theater and i think like i certainly enjoyed it more watching it than i did thinking about it mm. uh, which i can't say uh, about the rammy movies um in any one of those cases, um, which is why I actually had it at number five on my list, and I had uh, Spider-Man three at number four. Um, it was kind of a last-minute switch based on my rewatch, but um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's solid. I think it's one of the better MCU installments, certainly. Um, but yeah, as you said, Nick, it is kind of hard to avoid the marvelness of it all it's it, hard to to skirt marvel syndrome at times it's highly disposable and even i acknowledge that i mean it's just it just kind of is and the stakes are very low mm-hmm. but there's a comfort in this movie that i really appreciate so yeah you know and plenty plenty just like like nice cinematic uh set pieces that i that i still revisit a lot you know so yeah and by the way holland is very good yes yes I, i'm not necessarily convinced that holland wants to do this anymore uh, seems like he's fucking done if the press tour of this is any indication he's just like let's just move on to Ma- miles morales now and and call it you know let's just get a new actor in here but i don't Kevin know how Feige's he's like we have a new trilogy coming oh he's so movies the thing Tom is Holland. he's so young and his story is not nearly at that point yet yeah and so if he left now it would disappoint a lot of people i think I feel bad for him though. He's yeah. Well, he's, he's not that young of a guy though. He's like twenty six, right? Yeah, he's not that young. No, but like, I mean, 
he he's gonna suffer the Daniel Radcliffe syndrome, I think, a little bit here, because they're gonna they're gonna keep him going. And and for all you know, though, his like negative attitude towards this is really just uh, negotiation for higher pay or something. Maybe you know, he is an I, actor after I don't all. Know, he made that movie The Devil All the Time last year. Okay. Uh, he did the, Cherry earlier this year, which I did not see, but that's a Russo it. Brothers movie yeah. that was like a. a a, like a, a, a hard edged cop drama about like a heroin addict. Oh. And like, yeah, you had Tom Holland in the center. Didn't feel like great casting. Uh, so, like, I think he's definitely trying to wade into the more serious parts. But... He's coming out with Uncharted, man. Yeah, the problem is he looks 12. Yeah. I mean, that's just, the, it's an issue. It's like when you look 12, it's like you're going to keep getting cast as high school students. That's why, like, Daniel Radcliffe, like, grew a beard and shit. Yeah, right. You know, you got to grow some facial hair, Tommy. It's funny. He said something interesting about Timothy Chalamet recently because he wants Timothy to play a villain uh-huh. in these movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which I wonder. I wonder if he hates Timothy Chalamet. Well, isn't he, Chalamet's going to be Willy Wonka, so he's going to be a villain pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That's a good point. Yeah, he's the problem is he's going to humanize. Corner, he's going to humanize right. that villain too much. Is the problem. Yeah. Is he aware, like, when they do Dune Part Two, like, there's some spicy stuff coming between Paul and Cheney. <laughs> Tom's not happy about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are they like still going at it? Him and Zendaya? I think so. Yeah, yeah I believe so. Those crazy kids. Yeah. Love yeah. those crazy kids. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <sighs> isn't uh on a random note, isn't uh Pete Davidson and Miley Cyrus a thing now? Uh what? What the fuck is <laughs> This is important, Adam. Uh what's going on with this my, fucking? My guy? understanding is this. Him and Kim are still going strong. Well, as strong as you you can given that one is Pete Davidson and one is Kim Kardashian. But Miley Cyrus and him are hosting a New Year's Eve special together. And the marketing campaign for this special is going to be like, Pete, why didn't you choose me? Like, I'm the one that got away, or you're the one that got away. So Miley Cyrus was like singing a song to Pete Davidson on Jimmy Fallon the other day, being like, why didn't you choose me? Now, I don't know if there's any truth to that, uh, I don't know if there's any romantic history, but uh, the two of them are, uh, yeah, seem to be very friendly with each other. I'll just say that. It's all bullshit, guys. Don't be suckers. <laughs> I'm a sucker, Adam. I know. <laughs> I'm a sucker. Okay. There we go. Number four. Spider-Man right. Homecoming. <laughs> I'm most I'm... interested to find out where you guys are putting Spider-Verse. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So number three. Is that number it three. for you, Adam? Yep. Really? Yep. So this is where it gets tough. This is where yeah. it got tough last time when we did the Wes Anderson podcast. Is I feel like now we all have a pretty firm idea of what should go where. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sometimes hard to negotiate. So, Adam, you believe that Spider-Verse should go number three. I am willing to be dissuade, though. Or, I mean, you know, convinced otherwise. Because so, this, uh, this is a great movie. What's left on the board is Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, and Spider-Verse. Correct. Yeah, I, I have a clear number one, but uh, my number three and number two were the ones that I was thinking about the most. Um, and I, I think my yeah, my my number two is purely out of just like love and affection. And there's a little bit of nostalgia there. But on rewatch, I was actually pretty blown away by just the filmmaking tricks and the careful attention to laying out the story as cinematically as they could. I just think it's all in all a better film, but one certainly is more unlike anything you've ever seen so i'll give it that so your I, order <laughs> is spider-man 2 at number one yes the original spider-man at number two yep 
And yeah. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse at number three. Yep. Okay. My list is exactly the same. Okay. <laughs> but, Nick, mm. how would you order it? In the interest of compromise here and collaboration. Uh, if I were to compromise, I could I could. Well, put no, 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 no. I want to hear what your list is first. Spider-Verse let's, let's... is my favorite. Okay. But I could put Spider-Verse at number two. Okay. And keeping all else the same. I could do how that. Did, how did you order it? Spider-Verse, uh, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 1. Technically, my number two is Andrew Garfield, but that's out of the running. So, right. That's uh, crazy With what's me. left, <laughs> Spider-Verse, uh, Spider-Man 2, and then Spider-Man 1. So, so it sounds like we're in agreement, though. Well, not in agreement, but it sounds like the original Spider-Man is going to end up at number three here. Does that sound right? I mean, two out of the three of us think that it's the second best, so... We got to talk. But one of us thought that it was the best. What? So oh. he feels more strongly about, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I'm okay for now, and then we'll fight this battle in a second. But I'm good with putting the original Spider-Man at number three. Does that sound okay to everybody? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I mean, I'm far more comfortable than that than the alternative. Sure. <laughs> so. so we're good. Everybody, guns are no longer drawn. Can we holster them? Yeah, I mean, everybody. Here's okay? the here's the deal: is like, as much as I love Willem Dafoe, and this movie introduces some of the best characters. Uh, yes. I, I I think again, Harry Osborn, I think is the best in this movie. Okay. Even though yeah. he's not the star of this movie, I think mm-hmm. James Franco is fantastic as like Pete's friend who loses his dad and has to, you know, I I, I just I really like him in this. Willem Dafoe's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, introduces Jonah James, or no, he's introducing the second one, right? No, he's no, introducing this one. one. He is introducing this one. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Hilarious, awesome, perfect. Love him all the That's time. That's the best casting of this entire franchise. I mean, they're, yeah. didn't they? I, they recast. He was so good that they recasted him for the new Tom Holland movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, and not, I don't believe this is multiverse recasting. I think he's just straight in it. He is. Right. I mean, he's like a podcaster, like us. <laughs> well, he's an Alex Jones type figure. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Infowars type. Yeah, guy. I, I love it. All right. Number three, the original Spider-Man from 2001. Okay. Directed by Sam Raimi, written by David Kep, starring Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, and Willem Dafoe, the god Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Nominated for Best Sound and Best Visual Effects at the Academy Awards that year. When bitten by a genetically modified spider, a nerdy, shy, and awkward high school student gains spider-like abilities that he eventually must use to fight evil as a superhero after tragedy befalls his family. Can, can I can I get on a high horse a little bit for a second? Please mm-hmm. do. Yeah, About this, ahead. like, this is, I think, the better movie, but I, I really don't think it's the best Spider-Man origin story movie. That's why I like The Amazing Spider-Man more. Right. So what um, don't you like about this origin story, I guess? I mean, I do like, I can start with what I do like. I do like the, how he gets bit by the spider. Me too. Um, I don't like his fights with Flash as much in the school. I don't really like, one thing that I'm kind of sick of in movies is the way bullying is portrayed. Mm-hmm. As if it's like from the 80s, stuffing the kid in the locker. Like, that is not what bullying is like today mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Like, at all. And I feel like that the uh, Flash character in The Amazing Spider-Man is a lot more realistic to what bullying is like today. You're okay. right. You're right. And uh, so well, there's cyber bullying in that movie, right? Yeah. 
there's cyberbullying and yeah. like Flash is like actually trying to answer questions in class and like pass and uh-huh. like Peter's smarter but Peter doesn't try and so he's resented for it rather than like getting beat up and stuffed in lockers and shit it just to me is just like a lot more real so I, I don't think that the growing into the Spider-Man character is done as well here but I think it makes up for it with having a really good villain mm-hmm mm-hmm uh, with obviously Green Goblin, which the only other thing about Green Goblin though is that he's super fucking silly, and that's fine. But it is a little. It's Green Goblin. Yeah, I, I I know like we're like oh we're in a world where there's a guy dressed as a, a red spider flying around, and like I get it, but I I kind of again I always prefer when like the villains are a reaction to superheroes. Like, they get the same idea. Mm-hmm. It, it it doesn't seem very organic for this guy to suddenly decide to put on a green goblin mask and fly around like a lunatic. It Listen, just seems out of left field. I was seven years old, so maybe I was <laughs> right. going to color it a little bit. But right. there has never been a more terrifying character than Green Goblin. Sure. I love Green oh Goblin. Oh, my God. And th- that was the thing that really jumped out on the rewatch, right? Easy mm-hmm. to meme these movies to death. Easy to sort of dismiss these performances because of the memes I understand that some of you know these moments have become tired. Uh, I mean, he's just like hauntingly good in this Willem Dafoe. Yeah. I mean, he's so fucking menacing in this. Willem Dafoe is just incredible just, in everything, though. I mean, and you are terrified of him in a way that you are just not terrified of any other villain in any other superhero movie. Just mm-hmm. period. Him End talking to himself in the mirror. Yeah. So good. I mean, like... The, the MCU movies, it has been written about time and time again how bad the villains are, and that's because most of them are just like guys with staffs, uh, like hunting yeah. down stones, and yep. they have like weird face paint that like defines most of them. Yeah. Um, but the the real problem is that none of them are scary. That's the bottom line. Michael Keaton is good in in Homecoming because that moment is legitimately scary, scary. Yep. and it's scary in a way that it would be scary to a high school student. It's not scary in a horror way, but it is scary in a human way. Here. Green Goblin's just fucking scary, man. That outfit is terrifying. The mask is terrifying. The laugh is terrifying. terrifying. The gas chamber that well, he that he and first I gotta gets, be honest with you, so good. yeah. I mean, that's just it's yeah haunting. This this also comes back to like just also really good casting because oh, wonderful casting. It's great. Yeah. If yeah. anyone else laughed the way the Green Goblin laughs, mm-hmm. it would not sound natural. But Willem Dafoe can make it sound natural. I guess you see it in Amazing Spider-Man too, don't you? <laughs> I mean, you see what the laugh right. would look like unless exactly. Right. But yeah. but one of the things I love about it is that it is now very specific to the Green Goblin because it doesn't sound like a Joker laugh, mm. and a lot of people might make that comparison, but it really does. And the Joker Joker laughs is a little more like whiny almost and mm-hmm. creepy in that way. Whereas this is this sounds like some weird creature almost. This sounds this is like a guy a, pumped up with laughing gas. Yeah, like he's, you know. And even that voice too that he does is really. Yeah. I offered you friendship. And you spat in my face. But that's like how Willem Dafoe just talks, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's just what he sounds like. Yeah, kind of. But, like, it's also... It's another example of you don't know what the accent is because he sounds like he's from another planet. You it's know? Really it's like, good. is that a Martian accent? I know. Where, what country do they talk like that? But he really does lean into it. He plays it up. And, like, it's got just enough bass in that voice to... Real, like, it's like you're talking to the devil. I know. That's and what it's I, like. I'm excited to. I, it, he is almost certainly reprising his role as well, right? 100%. Yes. Yeah, he is. is that he confirmed, is confirmed or is yes? He's in the I trailer. Am, mm-hmm. I am so pumped. I know. Mm-hmm. I have seen the Green Goblin in the background in the posters, but I wasn't sure if Willem Dafoe 
With... Yes, there have been uh, high definition photos of that scene, and it reveals that it's yes, Willem Dafoe. I, I do think that this spider uh, or this next um, Spider-Man movie might suffer from too much shit going on, 100%. and oh, yeah. not sh- not sure who to put the camera on. <laughs> You know, but um, but it is just going to be like a live action into the Spider Verse, though, right? Yeah, but that's like, what it looks like anyway. I also thing. think it's just going to be like a bit of a trip down nostalgia lane. 100%. Oh yeah, 100%. which so I'm excited to watch it. I'm not necessarily expecting it to be good, but well, it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. I I I would like to say, um, even in the scenes where he's not wearing the suit, like when Peter comes home and he's got the blood dripping and it oh, falls. Oh my god, it's so good! So good. So good. Moments like underneath the balcony. So many wonderful, like iconic moments. And then when he has like just the knife, the knife, and he's just sharpening the Uh knife a little bit and gives that smirk. That's kind of one example, though, of one of those things that about the Sam Raimi movies that I don't like actually is Mm -hmm. not so much like when Spider-Man's on the ceiling and the blood drips. It's not that, but it's the way that he focuses on that drop of blood as it comes down. I'm just like it's so fucking indulgent and just. It's hard oh disagree. my god! I think it's great. It's the same disagree. thing. It's the same thing as Sandman when you see the sand enter his DNA, or Spider Man when when the the spider bite happens. I'm just like, stop! No, like, I don't... but see, here's where I think you're wrong. <laughs> because a drop of blood is real. You've seen a drop of blood before. Do you know what I mean? You haven't necessarily seen a radioactive spider bite anybody. <laughs> you, you've never seen the inside of an RNA strand. You have seen a drop of blood. And that means something to you. It's a tangible thing that you can feel in like an actual space. You've you've held a ring before. You've dropped a small object and and not been able to find it in carpeting before. Like these are all real things. So like you say whatever you want about the goofiness of this franchise, the goofiness of the villains, the goofiness of the universe or whatever. There are still moments of real stuff. It's grounded in something. That's what Sam Raimi does better than anybody else, really, is he's able to sort of find the real in the outrageous. You know, he's able to find the moments that you can feel in a zombie ghost movie in a, in a it, you know, it, it in a takes haunted me cabin out of, in the woods. It takes me out of the movie so much. And it is very dated as well. It does not like watch well today I'm in the same sure way that's... that it did. The, I, I, this, well, but maybe even, because even directors but, have forgotten how to do it. I mean, I, yeah, it's like I, that's, I, that's I kinda, because directing has gotten worse. Because I kind of love seeing it, like because it is very good storytelling. Right. And, and to, I mean, to your point, we're talking about the goofiness of these movies. It's like it's to me, it's only a problem if like the goofy when the goofiness stands out. It's only a problem when it doesn't feel like it's part of the piece. Like if right. if all of a sudden you had the Sam Raimi uh, sense of humor just pop up in the Andrew Garfield films, that would be a problem, mm. or vice versa really or like that level of like dour seriousness Mm. in these movies like that same tone it wouldn't work quite as well but there is a completeness to these movies but to to the drop of blood like that is like classic like Hitchcockian stuff sure I mean you just look at like like Mission Impossible the first one with the sweat coming from the glasses it's essentially the same scene but yeah you're right that's the old Hitchcock trick it's like how do we want people to be intimidated by the knife how do we want to signify that they should pay attention to the knife tiniest close up on the fucking knife and let's follow it it's just you know? these little moments of tension. Like you don't think it's like really fucking tense, right? That moment. Yeah, you don't, Nick. I, I don't know. I never worried. That's another thing too. Is like I'm never worried about Spider Man. Oh, like I'm that, never worried he's gonna die. I'm never worried about any of the characters really. Uh, 
I'll tell you what, that third act, I am kind of worried that Spider-Man's going to die. Yes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> that third act is fucked up. And the up. mask is coming off his face, dude? No, that third act fucked me up as a kid. <laughs> yes! Dude, when Green Goblin got stabbed by his fucking own board, oh I mean, that God. is a moment I will never forget. Never. I will never be the same because of that. Yeah. It forever, like, affected, like, who I was as a person. You know? I remember being a kid things. and thinking that was, like, the dumbest thing ever. And watching that as an adult, I, I like that scene a lot more. Because it, I don't know, because it means something more. Because, like, you know, Spider-Man feels like he killed him, sort of. or Sure. And Harry feels like he killed him. And, mm. you know, so, it, I don't know, it matters more to me now. But I, it didn't affect me as a kid. I was just like, eh, stupid. Well, I, maybe, <laughs> in my opinion, uh, that could have something to do with the fact that these films handle their drama quite well. Mm. One of the things I, 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 I noticed that just was blowing my mind when watching this one right after, or no, I, I watched this one right bef- uh, before rewatching Amazing Spider-Man, is like, I, I alluded to this earlier, was when, right after he gets bit in The Amazing Spider-Man, we basically cut to a scene where he has all of his powers. Mm-hmm. And it's to me, it's not satisfying at all. There's no buildup to it. It's just kind of like, and here it all, here's all of it. It it doesn't feel like the story earns any one moment where he can climb on walls or rip poles out of the ground or shoot his webs. But Sam Raimi understands that there is drama to someone all of a sudden discovering that they can see again. What's Mm -hmm. going on here? Mm -hmm. Stretch that moment. There's drama to a guy understanding, wait a second, I was skinny as hell the day before and now I'm buff. Mm. And then the moment where he rips the, the sign off of the bus stretch that moment I'll play it up for like another like 10 minutes in this this wonderful very long set piece of him slowly discovering the fact that he's a different person now it's just like laying out the beats very very carefully it's just very good direction very good storytelling every single one of those moments hits me my god is it satisfying just the way he uncovers his powers in this movie to the way it it, it concludes it doesn't conclude with him being like wow I'm a fucking freak which that that's that's a different version of the story and that's fine but this one concludes with him being like oh my god I can run on walls Let's have fun now. Right. I can't tell you how, even to this day, how badly I want to be able to do that when I watch that scene. Oh, my God. It's why the video games were so, like, yes, fun. (laughs) This is also, too, though, like, the fact that he kind of determines that he, at at the end of this movie, he determines that he, like, can't tell other people who he is. Or the fact that he keeps it secret at all, to me, doesn't seem realistic. You know, I feel like if you were a kid who developed these powers, you'd be telling everyone. You'd that's be true. abusing that's a good point. it. That's true. And that's actually that's one of the notes that I have about the Garfield ones again, is that like him being stupid and telling her and mm. putting her in danger, all of those things to me just seem more like realistic of what a stupid high school kid would do. I think that's a fair point, for sure. And like, yeah, the you know, like it comes him. back to this great power comes great responsibility. And in order to sort of hammer that point home, you have to do something irresponsible. Right. Right. Like and I don't feel like he does in this yeah. movie. Well, he d- absolutely does. He lets somebody get away, which causes the death of his uncle. Sure. Which I know we've got. But it doesn't, though, because times. somebody else caused the death of his uncle in the third movie. Remember yes, when they invalidate right. that whole thing? That's but that's a problem with the Sandman character. But we're looking right. at it in the context of this movie. Yes. As its own thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's when it came out, you know, because right. it's its own story, really. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Nick, I'm just never going to be on, on your side on this one. I, I mean, just like all of the filmmaking here just it's rips. filmmaking, um, man. Now, you, I you like wanna... this movie. I mean, I don't know what you want to say. I think, I'm it's, not... a, yeah. I think it's a great movie. You want to talk about casting? Um, yeah, Defoe's great. I think one of the issues that people have with the big three, Maguire, Dunstan, Franco, is that they're not age appropriate, or at least they don't feel age appropriate. Um, this is going to be kind of a half-hearted argument, but maybe that was the point. You know, maybe that these are movies about sort of adolescence turning into adults and that sort of awkward sort of stage in your life. Not necessarily like, you know, the falling in love and getting an A in math class, but like, what do I do after I graduate from high school? Like, you know, how do I balance this life of mine? Like, you know, what I feel like I'm supposed to do and what I want to do and go to college and fall in love with this girl. Like, you know, that these are characters that are kind of caught somewhere in that gray area between childhood and adulthood. And I actually think that's pretty effective because it allows these movies to deal with more adult themes. Yeah. You know, it it uh, it allows the romance to be steamier. It allows the mm-hmm. stakes to be higher. Uh, maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe like Sam Raimi thought Tobey Maguire looked 16 when he actually looked 26. Fair enough. I, I just um, think that's always been a thing that movies have done is they make. I mean, if you look if you look at books and you look at movies, they always age up the characters. Yeah. It's just an oh, yeah. inevitable thing, and I don't know. I don't love it. Never loved it, but it's fine. It is yeah. what it it's is. It's very, very hard to get away with. I think like this is one of those instances where I think you're sort of forced to make changes in order to make the material palatable. Because yeah. if you make... I don't know. If you do the scenes with Spider-Man in this movie and he feels like a like a 14-year-old kid with spider powers right. peeping on Mary Jane, it's just no. Yeah. No, no. Make make them feel like adults, please. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I kind of like about it. It's that gray. It, t- it's it's it really about take, young adult. I think it does take away though from that coming of age story a bit. Does. But they're not like adults. They still feel like 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 people who are figuring themselves out. They're still very young. It's not like they, I'm. I don't totally know. He has his own apartment, by like by the second movie, like yeah. which he does. Yeah, and I, Mary Jane is marrying an astronaut. Yes. Right. I don't know, man. It's just... <laughs> First guy to play hockey on the. But boat. again, but again, like it, in these movies with the tones that they, these particular movies choose to go with, it's not really that distracting to me. Yeah, I maybe just. Because I saw them young, that they were always this way. So I was, I never it's thought pretty, to be distracted it, by them. It's pretty it, distracting. It, to me. it feels like a very like like classic Hollywood thing to do as well, yeah. though. That's because yeah. because you're definitely right that this is just something that movies have always done and probably will always do. Mm-hmm. You know, well they didn't do it with Holland, so I think that's, well that's what works though, in Holland's yeah. favor is that we Holland's have probably older than any of these actors were when they shot Spider Man, but he looks younger. Well, and you also have like an actual adult figure to compare him to. Which is Iron Man, Tony Stark. Yeah. You know, so it works in their favor in that one. Which yeah, is I why, mean, again, I actually think the Holland, like, aesthetic of Spider-Man is the best one. It just sucks that he's stuck in the MCU bubble. Yeah. Right. You also have to understand that when these movies came out, it's like the, you know, the Scream era of movies. And they kind of have that similar look in, when they're just doing the regular, like, you know, like, uh, like cross-cutting scenes when they're just talking. So, you know, and in Scream, that's a great example of where, like, these are obviously not fucking high schoolers. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it's similar in that movie that kind of sort of works for the that tone gives, established. That gives you a license to stop To do things. Yes, the thing. that's what I'm now saying. The, the viewer doesn't have to feel so bad when they all die a brutal death. And that's, that's what I keep talking about. It's a movie. You can be a little more dramatic with this stuff. I, right. I, I, I'm a big proponent of suspension of disbelief, especially in movies like this, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know. I do think the dark gritty reboot really did a lot of 
poor favors for right. <laughs> for Hollywood or definitely developed some bad habits in the way we view movies for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, that is the original Spider-Man movie. Do I have anything else to say about? Oh, Danny Elfman score. Danny Elfman yes. fucking score. Yes, uh, the best. Great score. The best. Also, great music supervision, which I want to talk about more with the second movie. But like, good use of pop songs. M- music's better in the second movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I'd like to. Yeah, I, I know the end credits at the end. Right? Oh yeah, Nickelback and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah but not good. Hang on though. Still, excellent score, 100% right. Danny Elfman didn't come back for the third one. I thought that his absence was sort of felt. Um, I actually, uh, if I were to be complimentary of one thing with those amazing Spider-Man movies, I think the Zimmer scores are okay. I think they suck. Yeah, I (laughs) I think they're Watching them again, I'm like, all right, he's definitely going for like some heavy metal thing. I know like they brought in a bunch of other like, you know. It's like Pharrell. Yeah, Pharrell's in there. Yeah. What's the I, other DJ? Wow, I forget his you name. You really liked it? I felt the total opposite. I hated it. I, I didn't hate it as much as I did in 2014. Oh, okay. Yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I really didn't like it. But you're 100% right. Danny Elfman scored very good. Uh, uh, I love I love um, one of my favorite Spider-Man outfits to be a little more superficial, but like he looks awesome. Yes. Uh, and uh, the, the something I guess we haven't actually said, uh, my favorite Spider-Man, my favorite Peter Parker. That's it. Sorry. Precisely. Yeah. I, I, Sorry, I, Nick. I agree. <laughs> and he's terrible. And I, I still get in arguments with people about this. I'm like, no, guys. He's awful. <laughs> no. He's awful. <laughs> he's not awful. I actually think Tobey Maguire is really good in these first two movies. Even in the third one, I think he's pretty good. <laughs> and also nothing hotter than that alleyway kiss. I mean, mm. it's just it's the hottest thing I've ever seen. Like, seriously. <laughs> defined by like entire like the lack of view yeah the lack of shirt underneath is just it's just unbelievable it's It's just that i mean that but that's what it is though man like that's casablanca right there like that's just that's movie magic those are movie fireworks right there and i don't know how you watch what zendaya and tom holland are doing how you watch what andrew garfield and and emma stone are doing and think that it even holds a candle to that fucking no no it's like one of the most iconic things ever seen it's fucking amazing guys yes it's a great film. It's a v- extremely well-made, well-told story. I don't care about the silliness. It's a. It, it's. I, I welcome that kind of stuff in a in a story like this personally. It does not though. Like in in the third movie, when uh, she asks her astronaut boyfriend to put his head back on the pillow so she can kiss him upside down, it does not have the same uh, magic for sure. <laughs> That's kind of. Like I, find I, I find it weird how obsessed guy. I find it weird how obsessed she so is. Bad for <laughs> Dude, I went to the moon, but I can't compete with fucking Spider Man. No, she's like so obsessed with this upside down kiss. Though. Into, uh, it's like the the ladies just fucking pass out when he walks in because he walked on the fucking moon. Yeah. This guy could shoot webs out of his wrist. What good? What no. good? Have, I, I fucking bounced around and played golf. Yeah. Big party for an American hero. My son, the astronaut. <laughs> Look, could you pay me in advance? Were <laughs> <laughs> <Are> you serious? <laughs> sure. <laughs> what are you looking for a raise? Get out. <laughs> the amount of times you've been fired. Wait, come back. <laughs> Mr. Jameson, your wife lost a checkbook. Thanks for the good news. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think the third one is pretty he funny where he, he is on uh jameson is has to be he has to control his rage yeah. his medication oh it's, oh it's the best that's pretty funny the buzzer yeah 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 <laughs> 
You know, we haven't talked about it all. I... We haven't talked <laughs> about it. Uh, the actor from uh, Spider-Man 2 who stopped Peter from going into the play, and then in Spider-Man 3 plays the French Bruce Campbell uh, host. And, and is also in Spider-Man 1. And, uh, is, who is, is he in Spider-Man little, 1? Because uh, I watched Spider-Man 1 first. He is the first. wrestling announcer uh, right. in Spider-Man 1 and uh, is in a... Is a little film called The Evil Dead and Evil and Dead, Evil yeah, Dead yeah, 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 and yes. Army of Darkness. I love and that Ash he's just in, Evil Dead. I love that he's just in all of these, though. It's it's, it's Sam Raimi's best egg. friend. It's just yeah. I, I just love it's it. Bruce Campbell, man, it's Bruce. a great Easter egg, and he's great in all of them. Yeah, he's love, especially great as the the host in the restaurant. I think with yeah. the French I, accent. I love the behind the scenes with Bruce Campbell talking about like it's different now that we're working on these big movies because you know Sam doesn't really swear at me or hit me as much as he used to because mm-hmm. you know <laughs> not- <laughs> excellent excellent oh, God. okay that's number three okay that's fine number two guys um, Nick I apologize I, I thank you so much for being here no we could put Spider-Verse too you, you've been a great sport that's you fine really have. You really I said have. I was okay with this I don't know why you're making this you're making this way more dramatic than it needs to be <laughs> no I just you know I, just, I said very early on that's what I'm Nico more does. than happy to put in it too <laughs> I, I just because listen it's sometimes guys come on this podcast and like they feel bullied by Adam and I you know because sometimes we line up on the, sometimes we're completely opposite but sometimes we line up on something so well. I think this is the most in agreement we've ever been honestly maybe I would let me ask you a question though um yeah. wh- where are we at with the time we are at two hours and 37 minutes wow. yeah we're deep <laughs> I'd like to say just we haven't said you. a word about spider-verse yet <laughs> I'd like to say one more thing, just one more final note about how good the first movie is. <laughs> let's stretch this to two hours. When I was a ten-year-old boy. Let's let's stretch this to Four three hours. Four score and seven years ago. This is literally going to be three hours long. I, I, I had a feeling this might be one of our longest ones ever. Yeah. Yep. No. I feel very passionate about this. That we had a lot of demons to exercise today. I've always loved the first Spider-Man tremendously. I've always known that it's a great movie. Um, but one of the great like reminders of how good it actually is was that actually came at school and I had a film professor and it was it was a class more about film theory um and he was telling me like you know Adam I really hate what's what's gone on with superhero films in in this past decade I'm like oh yeah well let's talk because I'm interested in this topic and we got going and eventually we talked about Sam Raimi and the Spider-Man movies and this is a guy who prefers foreign cinema who prefers like anything by Godard or I don't know Fellini and stuff like that and you know kind of a classic film snob and he's like you know I really I really hate what uh the first Spider-Man did to the industry, but fuck, is it a good movie? Right. Yeah. Yep. We, one thing I actually agree. wanted to talk about, which we didn't was like the time that the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans came out. We did talk about when the Andrew Garfield ones came out, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, which yeah. was obviously right after the dark gritty kind of reboot of everything. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the early two thousands, I mean, what did we have? We had X-Men Spider-Man yeah. and I mean, I, what well, else? I guess you were on you were on the tail end of Batman. So we the, were coming the, out of the Keatons, right? Well, we're way, you were coming out of that universe. Yeah. It was Batman and Robin, right? But yeah. you were coming out of that series of Batman film. I don't know what you would refer to that series as. Um, but began the Schumacher the Bur- series, I guess. You, well, you began with the the Keaton Burton yeah. phase, and it ends with Schumacher. Kind yeah. of covers four movies. Um, so I mean, those were big. Um, but, you know, they were 90s action movies and it certainly did not come to define the culture of that decade. Right. Yeah. Superman in the 70s definitely did. Um, and the Batman television series 
to a certain extent helped define television. Um, but yeah, uh, superhero movies were not the the Western of our time. They, they were not the sort of like premier genre. Oh no, I mean they weren't like they weren't honestly taken seriously, only to us to an extent. Right. Yeah. So you have the X Men movies. The original X Men comes out in two thousand, right? The year two thousand. Okay, we we always jump to X Men. It actually starts with Blade. Right. Bla- Blades Blades the movie that tells studios. Oh, these bizarre superhero crazy films can actually be something. What else you got? Mm-hmm. And then they delivered X-Men and they're like, all right, not bad on your second go. But it still hasn't like really blown up yet. It's just like, all right, you're 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 off to a good start, kid. And then along comes a spider. No pun intended. But I think <laughs> does Hugh Jackman not get enough credit? What? As Wolverine? Sure as he like doesn't. defining like superhero movies. Sure doesn't a decade. Well, he De- sure doesn't get enough credit, Nick. Hundred uh, percent. Certainly defining like how to cast. Jeez. Hundred percent. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's unbelievable. The last movies. guy yeah. you would expect to play a role like that, too. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's really good in those movies. Him. He's great in all of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad they finally made Logan. Yeah. You know that. Oh. Anyways, there are a few send offs that are as good as that one. But here's yeah. what's important with Spider-Man, right? Like, yes, they are the most popular superhero movies up until that point in time and uh, went on to, of course, spawn this entire universe of film. Now, every major blockbuster is a superhero movie. But it was still at the point where, like, you had to attach the material to the proper director mm-hmm. in order to make it work. Right. There was still a an, an artistic touch that all of these movies required. And that's what happened with Tim Burton. It's certainly what happened with Joel Schumacher. I mean, those are heavily directed movies. Yeah. Um, and even Brian Singer to a certain extent with the X-Men yeah. films. But interesting, um, uh, Spider-Man struggled with this for a, a long time before ultimately getting made, which I actually do find interesting that they deliberated on this topic. Sure. Which is important. Which now is just like, happen. all right, like who yeah. made the last A24 movie? Yeah. Get him in here. It's like the J. Jonas Jameson. It's much like that process. Right? I'm, I'm waiting for Ari Aster to be attached to New Mutants 2. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's like, all right, you're in here, kid. <laughs> Give you 50 bucks. 300. That's outrageous. Done. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think at the time, this is we're in the sweet spot, right? We're on the tail end of the 90s independent movement where auteurs reigned supreme. And we're at the be- And by the way, Sam Raimi was a direct product of that era. And we're at the beginning of what is going to be a very sort of... Uh, uh, a sorry state of affairs for blockbuster filmmaking where blockbusters are the only thing that matters again, similar to how it was in the eighties. Right. Um, And so, yeah, Raimi was able to get in there right under the gun by making some like really interesting stuff within the studio system, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I think Nick, that's a great point. Like these movies had to come out at this time. And if they didn't come out at this time, they would have never been made in this way. Yep. Well, and they feel like they came out at that time. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but they definitely feel like a product of that time, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I am very curious to see uh, Doctor Strange Part 2 now. You know? Yeah, but see, but I'm a little pro- discouraged about that. Because it's like I'm, they're never going to let Raimi do Spider-Man. But that's yet. precisely why I'm interested. It's like, are they actually going to let Raimi be Raimi? It'd be so amazing now we're if really going to see yeah. that's actually like a great test. Yeah. Like we're really going to see side by side. This is how it works outside of Disney. This is how it works inside of Disney. Precisely. And there's going to be nowhere to hide from this now. Like Raimi made two of the most iconic superhero movies of all time. 
and now you're letting them play in your sandbox, and I just don't trust them. I really don't trust them. No, I mean, I, no, I agree with you. It's probably going to be a very watered-down Sam Raimi film, but I just, I don't know. I hope he punches them in the face. I really right. do. We well, see. I don't know. I think that, like, in retrospect, people look at these movies much more fondly than they did after Spider-Man 3 came out. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, for I sure. think they I think even the studios can recognize their mistakes, especially because it was some other guy's mistake 15 years ago. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have to actually take the the blame. No. No, I so. agree. So. Okay. Spider-Man into the spider Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I brought up one thing and <laughs> we're gone. 2018 film directed by Bob Burchetti, Peter Ramsey and Rodney Rothman. Starring Shamik Moore, Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, Mahershala Ali, Brian Tyree Henry, Lily Tomlin, Zoe Kravitz, John Mulaney, Chris Pine, Katherine Hahn, Liev Schreiber, and Nicolas Cage. Nicolas How Cage. could we go three hours without talking about this man? He's we back. couldn't. That's the answer. We couldn't. <laughs> we have to talk Cage. Winner of Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards that year. Teen Miles Morales becomes the Spider-Man of his universe. And must join with five other super spider-powered individuals from other dimensions to step stop a threat from all realities. Kind of what I was saying before. Like, Spider-Man 3 looks quaint compared to something like this. I know. Uh, <laughs> it does. I mean, it's, a it's, million different villains. I, I forgot on the rewatch, Kingpin is in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Fucking Kingpin is in this movie. Scorpion is in this movie interesting, for some reason. It's interesting because this movie works... For all of the reasons I said that the other ones don't. Exactly. And this is it, kind of what I wanted to talk about. This is about. the exception to the rule on all fronts. Yeah. Uh, because it's, that's the point. But right? I think, but this is sort of what my point was earlier. It's that too many villains isn't the problem. It's, it, it, too many well, villains but and, or too much this, stuff isn't the problem if you can somehow handle it in a proper way. Well, so here's the thing about this one too. And well, this is... Again, this movie cannot exist without knowing Spider-Man, like Mm -hmm. without the other Spider-Man movies, without all the other Spider-Man content out there. Mm -hmm. So that's part of why it can work with all of these different villains is because you don't need to focus on any of them. And the movie sort of it plays into that in the opening where, uh, you know, he's like, oh, remember that time where I went dancing down the street and I was in the jazz club and I dyed my hair black like it, the, the movie is actively engaging with the audience as though they have seen all of the other movies in the installment thus far. You know, the the Andrew Garfield movie does that, too, to mm-hmm. the Tobey Maguire film, yeah. as mm-hmm. does um, Tom Holland. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they reference each other all the time. So but this is the only one that it works. Right. Yeah. Today. But, but we'll see what happens. The entire <laughs> the entire plot and the point and the drive, everything about this movie is that. So it's. There's there's no distraction. This is what the movie is. It is a self-referential, like, kind of Cosmere type of <laughs> film. No, I don't know. No, but you just said it. You just said it. It's confidence in its intentionality the entire way through. So that a lot of that stuff, they just go for it. Mm. And, I mean, here's the thing, guys. Like, like we're, we're, I mean, you'll talk about, like, how, like, the amount of story threads in this movie. It's a miracle that this thing actually works as well as it does. But... Just getting down to it, yeah, I've never seen anything like this movie 
before mm-hmm. and talking about just uh, the conversation for this is less so about a, a good spider-man movie in all honesty it's just about how insanely amazing the animation is although it is a good spider-man it is a good though. spider-man I don't overshadow that but the, i well one of the things i will say is that just this film as an animated film it, it, it overshadows spider-man for me it just transcends everything okay it's i mean it was my pick for best animated film of uh of the 2010s yeah it was in pr- pretty significantly so right it's it's just like, and again, like it's a, it's kind of a messy anim, animation style in many ways, but it's so intoxicating. Mm-hmm. I love this thing. It's 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 this good trip. Mm-hmm. It's this good, wonderful, funny trip where you it, feel like anything can happen, and it feels it, like a kid. It feels yes, it's about a yeah. kid. It's a comic book. Yes, it's yes, great. Kids read comic books. Yeah, as much as like it, you know. This movie can't exist without the other Spider Mans, just as much as like the Tom Holland movie can't exist without the MCU. Mm. But like it's okay, it, it works still, just because it's not trying to stand alone. I mean, literally, there are other universes of Spider-Man in this movie. Mm. You know, try you to follow me on this. Uh, like, it, we talk about the, the one of the reasons why the Marvel movies don't work, and one of the criticisms that's often sort of uh, uh, thrown its way is that they're movies for kids. And you have to understand that they are made for kids when you go and see them. And I don't I buy disag- that. I, I, I don't buy that at with, all. Yes, I disagree no. with that premise entirely. It's not that they're for kids. The comic books are for kids. The movies are trying to adapt these comic book stories for adults, but still remain true to the original source material. Yeah. The reason right? the the reason they don't work is because they can't. Most of them can't stand on their own. Right. So, Usually, but, yeah. but what you get as a result is this weird hybrid creature now. Of material that is written for kids, but a movie that is directed for adults. And you get something that satisfies neither children or adults, or at least not children or adults with taste. Whereas this movie is very clear, like, there's going to be stuff in here for adults, and adults will enjoy it, but we're making this for kids. It's going to be loud and brash and vibrant and beautiful and it's going to be fun. It's going to be a comedy so first and fun. foremost. It's so fucking funny, this movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is the most overtly funny of all of those movies. And I think it's because they were working within the animation genre and they were just free to let their imaginations run wild. They were sort of free to do things that didn't exactly make sense physically. And yeah. they were they were allowed to go excessive, but excessive in a beautiful way and in a controlled way. Well, it, um, yeah. Excess works in animation where yes. it doesn't necessarily work in live yes, action. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I think that's one of the things I love about this. I wish that the MCU movies were made to, for children. I wish that they allowed themselves to have that sort of childlike wonder to them. And that's the thing with Spider-Man, like uh, Into the Spider-Verse. If I watched that movie for the first time at age five, I mean, I would have felt like it was the coolest thing in the world. Like yeah. anything was possible on screen. Yeah. You know? Whereas I see something like Far From Home and it's like, uh, yeah, I don't really believe that like drones could like create a tsunami. <laughs> no, you know, and, and like I'm not amazed by that at all. But, but no. I am amazed by like the, how the animation styles change and how like they literally took a comic book and made it into a moving yeah. thing. You would believe what you just said though if it was animated. Funny enough, right? So, but it's talking about that animation style too. One of the things that's so interesting about it is that it's this wonderful combination of three D and two D. Uh-huh. A lot of that is two D animation. Mm. That they that they overlay on a lot a lost of lost art form by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I love like the little touches though. Sometimes it thematically works. Like there's a scene where uh, they're swinging through the woods and the normal Peter, yeah, Peter Parker. Yeah. Cause they're two different Spider-Mans. So Peter Parker's swinging and he's moving at 24 frames a second. And then Miles Morales is moving at, I think like half that because mm-hmm. he's not fully formed into Spider-Man yet. He's not getting literally the swing of things in that moment. Right. And then by the end of the scene, he's moving at 24 frames a second again. Yeah. So there's just little touches like that laced throughout this entire movie that are really clever. Mm. Uh, Nick, why was it your number one on the Spider-Man oh, yeah. list? Because there's there's nothing to dislike about it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty much that it's that simple for me. Okay. Um, I, and I, I don't think that... I, I think that it's clever in the fact that it can break all of the rules, but it established itself in such a way that it can get away with it. Mm-hmm. You know? So... Also, I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, first off, it's about a kid, and it's about, like, Spider-Man, which is based on a comic book. Like, why live action it at all? Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I the question of why are we making this a live action serious movie to begin with is something that I think a lot of people aren't even asking themselves. Like, is it even a good idea to make a Spider-Man movie? No. Mm. And, and if you <laughs> wanted to make that argument, that's fine. You might be right. You might so, be right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, 2D animation really quick, I mean, I'm going to detract us. We were already three hours in. So what does it matter? Okay. Did you guys hear Hayao Miyazaki's comeback? Yeah, one, yeah. one last movie coming out of retirement again. One last movie, yeah. We'll one see. last movie again. We'll see. Is he like a hundred and five? Like how old is that guy now? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think we'll he's very old. For you. Uh, yes, I, I did 80. hear about this though. Eighty. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. He, yeah, he's yeah. got one more in him. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited about that. He hasn't Me made too. one since The Wind Rises, right? No. Yeah. yeah. Gotta Which love great. it. Oh, cool. One of the movie. one of the last uh, real like animators. Yeah. Left. Oh yeah, pure animators that he draws things. Yeah. Right, <laughs> actually, he draws, he draws how things. to draw things. Yep. Uh, let me speak about Lord and Miller for a second. Christopher Miller, yeah. Phil Lord, right? Phil Lord, Chris Miller. I don't know. Am I wrong? I think so. Phil I Lord. always get the names screwed up. Lord. Lord and Miller. Uh, Lego Movie was another example. Of I was actually yeah. I was gonna say it's it works in the same way as Pixar and Lego movies, where they're made for kids, but they can be appreciated as an adult. Right, but I love Lego Le- movies. Lego movie, when that thing came out, it's like, God, they're making a movie with the fucking yeah. Legos in it. Like, it was the most corporatized cash grab you you thought you'd ever seen when you watch that trailer and you see that thing and it's so beautiful and has like a real like anti-capitalist message. Yeah, to it. it does. Like, it's, it's like really dark and bleak um, and is like also searing social commentary um, and is also really fucking funny and so inventive visually. And like, you just can't, like doubt anything these guys do like these these guys made two good cloudy with a chance of meatballs boots <laughs> these guys did yeah. two good 21 jump street reboots yeah. like these guys just i i don't know if there's another director alive that can work in intellectual property in quite the way they can in such like it's such a specific an way obvious way but yeah. it's like it's such obvious ip yeah. like give the lego ip to 99 directors out of 100 and it's horrendous but they can't do Lego Star Batman Wars, too. Did they do Lego Batman? Uh, I no. think they produced it, but they, that movie they was also very fun. Directors, yeah. We were talking a few weeks back about how like there aren't a lot of good like comedy directors out there anymore. But you can maybe argue the Beef Guys are. I yeah. love both of their twenty two or twenty one Jump Street movies. They're Though, great. That's one. Yeah. That's one of the last like real funny movies I feel like I've seen. Yeah, that honestly. was like. Yeah. You're right. That was advertised as a comedy. That's a good point. Yeah, but that's you what know? they wanted to do with Solo. They were coming in and they yeah. were just had like comedy writers like just 
behind the camera throwing out one-liners and they would have been so much better on, on set but it makes me they weren't going for the the amount of broad comedy that i'm sure 21 jump street was i doubt that they no. should have <laughs> but, but <laughs> maybe they were definitely trying to i mean apparently because the improv was the big issue there really they went way over budget because they wouldn't stop filming they had so much fucking footage of ah. just you know han throwing out different lines and it's I, like dude just like film the script and let's get out of here let's break for lunch yeah I see. You know, that's that's how disney operates you know okay um yeah but they they just do incredible work here this was another movie i think it looked beautiful but i was skeptical of but you know they somehow are able to wrangle all of this stuff it's amazing into like a pretty cohesive story about a kid in the inner city another thing like it yeah shows a cultural side yeah, of spider-man of, all, of superhero movies in general that you just don't see you don't see a yeah. hero like that it's so interesting miles you know? morales doesn't get uh i mean he's starting to now get more attention but doesn't quite get enough because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. he's also a very interesting version of spider-man i agree and mm-hmm. i like that he stands in his own right he's not a token uh, race character of Spider-Man. Right. He's not. Right. He stands in his own right as like a legitimate, very well thought out character. Right. Uh, it's not just like, yeah, uh, sort of uh, like a, just a diversity, sort of just like a, a higher, you know? No. There's nothing like cynical about it. Like we right. have to put more diversity in movies. Because I mean, and, and the Miles business. Morales. It's not an affirmative but, action. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. The Miles Morales video game, uh, I'm pretty sure like that has a really cool story to it as well. I, I've watched the story through. I'm pretty sure his uncle is a villain in that, and I'm pretty sure that's like supposed to be canon. Mm. Uh, that's the just, way it is in this one too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have, this is the only one I didn't get a chance to rewatch. Okay. So okay. I've only watched this one once. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, but I remember I love this stuff with his uncle. It's, oh, me too. Because uh, the other thing is like every dramatic move in this works very well. I mean, think about like when I saw this, it was. Uh, kind of shocking to me that they kill spider-man they, in the first, in the first 10, like, minutes 10 minutes of the movie, of the movie. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and it works yeah. <laughs> it really works right but the other thing is that we actually have a pretty good villain mm-hmm. i like uh kingpin as a villain and i get everything he does in this uh it is a little funny to see him dancing around these floating buildings at the even in animation i'm like but he is supposed to be a human, isn't he? Right. <laughs> so the, the, We're not entirely the, sure, yeah. There's the tiniest little nitpick of mine, but whatever. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not exactly. It's a lot easier in a movie. <laughs> it's a lot easier in a movie like this to be like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I get you know, that. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I uh, I think it's remarkable. I think it's like a really remarkable achievement. And uh, number two, that sounds fine. totally fine to That's me. Fine. Um, I understand why you would have it number one. Um yeah, I mean it's it's as good as animation gets, really. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you had to say about it, Nick? No, it's a great movie. Everybody yeah. should watch it. Go watch it. Yeah, it's yet another it. one you could watch a thousand times. I, I also, you know what? It doesn't overstay its welcome. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Nice too. and quick, mm-hmm. gets everything done. It's you know that's actually one of my biggest criticisms of most of the Spider-Man movies, Sam Raimi included, is they're all over two hours, and sometimes I'm just like, you know, I don't need all this. Sometimes I don't, I don't need it. Dude, I don't know where Amazing Spider-Man 2 gets off being almost two and a half hours. I it know. Is that is fucking unbelievable. Bonkers that that movie is as long as it is. Jesus and Christ. Nothing happens in the movie. Yeah. Nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite I, Spider-Man in this one? Your favorite multiverse Spider-Man? Uh, yeah, it's tough. I, I do like the Nicolas Cage one. I do like the sort of uh, it's almost more like the Batman version of Spider-Man, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I, I it's definitely newer Spider-Man for me. Yeah, uh, definitely. Super fun. Uh, I, I, 
I have an affinity for spider ham. Peter Porker. Yeah. Peter Porker. You float through the air when you smell a delicious pie. Yeah, Mulaney's good. Yeah. Mulaney's good in it, for sure. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's cute. Yeah. Um, Miles Morales is also great. And I, I do like the sort of, like, depressed old man Peter. Yeah, me too. Like, he, he no, doesn't Jake really... Johnson's good. Yeah. Really he good. doesn't He doesn't really stand out as a as much but i think he feels like a kind of pretty important role mm-hmm. so i mean i like that human perspective too yeah, for someone yeah. like spider-man and, and he's just funny like i i quote him a lot now i say selecting a bagel a lot i, know, I guess I he's like this i don't he seems know why like the, but he seems like the straight man among all of these goofy characters not like an obnoxious guy either too like i agree with you he does play a good straight man but you could do this like sad depressed spider-man and it could be really cliche but there's I don't know. It it does show like he's not like the, an incompetent fool either. Like when he's tied up and he just breaks out of the 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 chains as quickly as he does. I like that sort of rebellious nature to him that he's just kind of given up though. Yeah. yeah, he's good. He's good. All right. Let's recap. And number 8. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And number 7. Spider-Man Far From Home. Number 6. Spider-Man 3. Number five, The Amazing Spider-Man. Very high placement. Mm. <laughs> Did really well getting into the top five. Congrats Great movie. Him. You know, what can I say? Congrats by, the, by the one other person, though. It wouldn't have been our choice. <laughs> Number four, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number three, the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Number two, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And the number one Spider-Man movie, of all time, as determined by the Movie Hall of Fame podcast, <laughs> Spider-Man 2. I, not a surprise, I don't think, for anyone. Spider-Man 2 is directed by Sam Raimi, written by Alvin Sargent, as I mentioned, the, the writer of Paper Moon and Ordinary People. Starring Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, and Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. Winner of Best Visual Effects at the Academy Awards, also nominated for Sound Mixing and Sound Editing. Peter Parker is beset with troubles in his failing personal life as he battles a brilliant scientist named Dr. Otto Octavius. Should I just get up on the soapbox now? Uh, Adam Hall, you have the floor. This is a masterpiece. It's the, like the best movie ever made. This is the best superhero film ever made. I think it's like the best thing ever made, period. Um, I think on, it's the best form of motion picture. On rewatch, there is not a single fucking thing that I would want to change about this movie. This nothing. So nothing. 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 So nothing. Good. Nothing. <laughs> I love every frame of this movie. Take this to film school. Get all those other ones out of here. This is it, baby. Put it I, in the Smithsonian. Put it in the Louvre. Put it's, it wherever you want. I, I I was like, you know something? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, I like The Godfather, but like, I mean, come on. I mean, c- oh come on. It's- All right. <laughs> so I was thinking, like, should this movie have one best picture? And like, <laughs> I was. <laughs> yes, I was thinking that watching this. Wait, what one best picture that year? So uh, that was, I believe, the crash year? Or was it the or Return of the King, maybe? Return of the King won in 2004. Yeah. Well, no. Well, it won in the 2004 Oscars, but this came out to that, so it would have been in the 2005 Oscars. This one, right? No, I think Return of the King came out in the year 2004, and this was no, like, no, no. It came out 2003. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this might have been the Million Dollar Baby year. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, million. Yeah, Million Dollar Baby came out. Ooh, that year. that's a good question. Okay, I mean, was so, this even nominated? No. no. I, so I was thinking about this, right? 
because I, I I looked at I have rankings of every movie year ever I've ranked every movie I've ever seen because I'm a nutjob. weird <laughs> I'm a crazy person and uh, no one ever needs to see them they're just for me and they're yeah but looked at them I have Spider Man two at number five on that list but that's only because like four of my favorite movies ever were also released that year it's okay. actually an incredible year in hindsight Sideways okay. Collateral The Incredibles which is actually my favorite superhero movie of all time. And Before Sunset. All came out that year. You can make the argument Spider-Man 2 is better than all of them. You could. Yeah. You very well could. Like, I, I mean, it's, it is an incredibly stacked year, 2004. Damn. This movie's great, Adam. Yes. This movie's fucking amazing. <laughs> um, and even down to the stuff that, on paper, clearly won't work. Nope. I, remarkable the train scene let's just talk about the train scene let's talk about the elephant in the room okay <laughs> how is that that's it's like the greatest thing i've ever seen how does that scene work there okay <laughs> i don't know how does it you have a scene where peter parker in front of the train attempts to stop it by shooting webs at nearby buildings causing the buildings to, to like you know, it's causing walls to detach from the side of these skyscrapers. And it's done practically. <laughs> it's done practically. And he has to stop this thing by holding onto the webs as hard as he possibly can. He ends up passing out as the train sort of uh, screeches to a halt at the end of the tracks. It's the most basic ass fucking like, you know, girl tied to the train tracks movie trick you've ever That's seen. So, of like, it's the best. The tracks aren't done being built. And it's like, bro, the, the train tracks end at the fucking ocean. You're not going to add any more tracks to this. But it's just well, classic that, Hollywood I, I think, again. Isn't that a real thing in New York where the train... And here's the funny thing you have to remember that train does not exist in New York City right like it doesn't end at the ocean <laughs> like yeah it ends somewhere but I don't think it ends inexplicably like at the end of the city I think there's a wall at the end of it you know what I mean mm, okay <laughs> so yeah like you know it, it's already a ridiculous conceit to begin with then he stops the train he passes out <laughs> hands reach out in front of him and catch him, which is like a silent sort of like you hear the fabric just sort of get tapped on these bystanders' hands. Yep. They then carry him through the train car in the most heavy-handed Christ metaphor you have ever seen in your life. This side of Zack Snyder, man. It is the most heavy-handed thing of arms outstretched. You know, the people of Jerusalem are carrying him through the, the train car. He falls on the ground. Child comes up to him, says, we found something of yours. Don't worry. We won't tell nobody. Yep. I'm sobbing. It works. I'm sobbing uncontrollably. <laughs> it actually works. I mean, it is the dumbest thing you've ever seen <laughs> written. But it is the most beautiful the most beautifully crafted, beautifully staged thing mm -hmm. in any superhero movie ever. Yeah. It could be the scene of the century. <laughs> it's amazing, this scene, guys. How does this work? I don't know. How don't does know. fucking Dr. Octopus work? I don't know. Well, it's another one of the things I was watching and thinking back to our conversation about um, Superman, too. Yeah. And, and just how, like, there is just this... I don't know what you would call that, but just this... Uh, I, I think what I said was that there's a joy for... Um, for the audience in a lot of ways and just like this really really intense focus to making it as cinematic as possible where it just feels like every little touch of the direction is perfect the scene all on its own is a great scene but then like you said the way they catch him the way yeah. they carry him the music swelling up at oh, just God, the right time so 
the the performances, the just the, the and the writing. He's yeah. just a kid, no older than my son. Oh my god, it's a great line. It's, yeah, man. I I have nothing bad to say about the train scene, and it's comprehensible by the other. Right. It's like all the, this wonderful, beautiful choreography. It doesn't look cheap at all. It yeah. looks it looks like they're actually on that fucking train. The webs are breaking. The, the webs the are breaking. He's crawling. Every like hit by Doc Ock's arms is great. When he hits the pavement and then he has to like zip back onto the train and he's kind of dodging cars. It's a creative fight scene too. That's the other thing. Uh-huh. It's not just simple quick cutting punches where they're just doing flips. They're like, no, let's use the train. Let's yeah. actually use the train. Let's use the city yeah. to make this a little more tense. Let's see. Uh, let's use Doc Ock's ability to fly all over the place as well to make this more dynamic because yeah. you know technically there's two spider-men in that scene because yeah. sometimes doc ock is referred to as like the second spider-man uh-huh. uh yeah dude nothing but like a plus material across the board not even my favorite scene in the movie really the evil dead scene's the best man there i is, was gonna say the hospital the, scene yeah the, the, uh, yeah, yeah. that was the, the most sam amazing. raimi thing i was actually gonna bring that up next that's the most sam raimi shit they let him remake Evil Dead. The fact yeah. that that is in this movie. They just let him do it. They let him do like the point of view shot from the arms, like you did with the zombies. It works. Right? You, you, like it's insane. They let him it, do like. If there was a time to use it, it's then. Right. You let him do like the horror of like you see the claw at first leaves the perch, and then you see it like in the reflection of the knife. Yeah. And, like it's. It's like legit horror shit. Again, you get more scream sh- uh, the queen action. The nails on the floor. Oh my God. <laughs> That's the best. They just let Raimi make a horror movie. Like it's such a self-contained great scene. It's even like to every little choice though. It's yeah. amazing. The fact that they let him go through every single thing that he probably would have, with the exception of there's no blood. Mm. Uh, there's a chainsaw in the scene. Yeah, there's a chainsaw. God gets his arm dropped off with a chainsaw. Oh my god! And then you have the 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 I don't know what you would call that. It's like a tracking shot, but like a camera is attached to an object as it's moving through the air. In this case, it's the arm. Uh-huh. It's like it seems like the arm is still while the entire surrounding is just moving past it. So it's like the arm's moving, and then the the arm's moving, but the the room is moving, and then it just opens up. Uh-huh. And that's a very Sam Raimi thing. He's done that with like swords. He's done that with arrows, and like. Uh, Army of uh, Army of Darkness and stuff like that. It's just like classic Sam Raimi juice, and it's perfect. It's like the best version of his old tricks that he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it's one of the things I, I love about it too. It's I'm always just I'm always in love with a movie that feels like uh, the convergence. Or rather, maybe the confluence of all of a director's past works just coming in and blending so perfectly into one movie. Like this, you could it's almost, argue it's this. Almost like he made all of those other movies so he could make so this movie. Get to this part. You could yeah. argue it's his best film, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. You really could. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. totally agree with that, 100%. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm just, it, it is crazy to conceive of the fact that they let him cook in the way that yeah, they did like, exactly and you're gonna see it in dr strange too i guarantee fucking to you maybe that movie is one of the better mcu movies maybe there's a little bit of raimi in there but i can just tell you right now they're not gonna let him do what he did on this um and it, it's it's just it sucks they gave him such a short leash with spider-man 3 like i know you know to just yank him after that after making a fucking masterpiece but, in this movie but look at spider-man 3 next to every other marvel movie i mean it's yeah. not even close man right i mean the amount of like the amount of like swings he's taken and the fact that some of them do land i don't want to take much away from that movie the fact that that movie took the amount of swings that it did is really commendable mm-hmm. uh it's a, it's that one is still a raimi film is ultimately my point so. right yeah, um, 
really excellent stuff. I mean, you know, rewatching this again, I, I think I, I'd definitely seen the original Spider-Man more than I had seen the second one. And <laughs> it had too, been probably. a while yeah. since I had watched the second one, but watching it again in its totality yesterday, um, so much of that stuff from like the apartment to the, the girl living across the hall. Yeah. Do you want a piece of chocolate, chocolate cake? cake and a glass of milk? Love that woman. Love that girl. Hi. What's hi? Can I spend it? <laughs> if promises were for crackers, my daughter would be fat. <laughs> She's so good. Again, that, that, that apartment is just so quaint. And we talked about the music before. It's a it's a great Danny Elfman score, 100%. But the music supervision, putting in raindrops keep falling on my head. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, we're putting the Butch Cassidy song here? Like, that's just something that Disney would never allow for. Whether they wouldn't want to pay up for it or they're like, oh, that might alienate some of the audience. Fuck them. Like, fuck them, man. <laughs> we're putting the Butch Cassidy song in here. And it works. Yes, it it's does. It's so worked. Yeah, okay, maybe like the Nickelback shit or whatever sucks. But mm-hmm. like the actual music within the movie itself um, is is wonderful. I love that whole sequence. I love that montage. You and also like the the Peter losing his powers. It's well done element. drama. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. well done. It's well done. And it's amazing how much time this movie takes to not have Spider Man in it, mm. and how it's like there is a really significant chunk of this movie where he is just trying to be Peter Parker again, and that constant battle with like doing what is right versus like doing what you want to do. Oh my God, is it like the, the most beautifully realized in this than it is in all the other movies? I think it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. It's a perfectly told story. And it's also human drama. Dr- human it's drama, like, yep, yep. How yep. <laughs> do we get human drama yep. out of spectacle? Well, here's an idea. Let's open the movie. Spider-Man's going to do all his spider things, but he's got to deliver a fucking pizza in less than 10 minutes. <laughs> Ground this shit, man. I want to see Spider-Man deliver pizza. I don't need to see Spider-Man fight drones in Italy. And while he's trying to deliver pizza, he's also saving people. Right. Which I love. Just be, you know, be, that, That's like a pure Spider-Man. Well, that's what I look for in my have, Spider-Man movies. You have movies. the retread of the fire scene in yeah. the original movie, and this time there's actually a kid trapped in the closet. It's not the Green Goblin trapping him. But then someone dies. dies yep. Someone actually dies, and you just get a little moment of that, and it's like, again, pure human drama. And then you have the MJ stuff, and it is, once again, movie magic. It's um, it's Bogart Bacall. It's, you know, whatever example you want to use here. Um, and, remarkable. And then you have the, the best oh shit moment next to The Graduate with the ending. Yeah. The ending's great, man. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, God, I'm actually in this now. What are we going to do? Yeah. Let's see what happens. God, I love that ambiguity. Like you could have, like it's just. Mm. God, this movie's so good. This movie's so fucking amazing. Dude, the car crashing <laughs> yeah. into the cafe, and he just he like sort of senses it with his spidey senses, and then oh god, it's great. I just love like little tiny moments, like the first like like time he's going after like like bandits in the streets where they're flying their car like that great shot where it goes through the the semi and he like sleeps through it it's a great great shot and every every the entire sequence of events leading up to the point where he stops them to when he arrives to the to the play and whatnot there's always an urgency always because in that scene he's also trying to get to the play on time yeah that's right Mm. yeah always extra layers of tension my my favorite part of this movie is him just uh, trying to wear too many hats and failing at all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's, that's that's what it's about for me. That's what I like. If I was gonna like criticize anything, it would probably be just the Doc Ock villain motivation, like we already talked about. It's kind of not super strong. I mean, it's just AI takeover and 
yeah. drive to make a bigger thing than he but did Molina before. Molina sells it, though. Molina's good. I like him a lot. He's very good. That's ultimately what it comes down to for me more than anything. Just how if the, it, the material can be weak, but if the performer can sell it, then it doesn't really matter. I mean, and there's enough given. It's not like he's just he's given the arms and he's immediately evil. It's like, nope, he has this. His dream goes horribly wrong. Uh, he's deemed as a madman and his wife dies. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I might be a little upset. <laughs> so there's something. There's yeah. definitely something. He he definitely gets some goofy dialogue in there, though, sure. like walking through his motivations, what's happening with these claws. I just can't get over how like the claws feel like their own character in this. I love that, though. I We're supposed to. Right? I love right. that. Yeah. Um, and that was actually one thing that like Tom Holland mentioned in the interview on Hot Ones. In the new one, the claws are like all CGI. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in this one, again, they were like puppets that he literally could turn and talk to. There were people maneuvering giant arms around him. Yeah. You know, God, I hope they don't blow it. Yeah, so, that, that makes me very upset. Yeah, because you knew that was gonna happen. <sighs> that makes me very upset. Yeah, I, I, I just hope they don't blow it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, perfect movie. Absolutely perfect movie. Nothing wrong. No complaints yeah. about this. I fucking love it. I love, love everything about it. <laughs> a, uh, a worthy inductee into the movie hall of fame. This whole, thi- this whole thing. This whole thing. stole that guy's pizzas. <laughs> this whole episode feels like a uh, three-hour way to contrive to make me waste my uh, my veto. That's what this feels like. Kinda right now. was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorta. Because yeah. like we all knew what the inevitable outcome was going to be. Like I don't really know what the. We were worried you were going to uh, actively try to keep it out. Mm. I'm not vicious. I mean, if you put uh, if you put it lower than you did, I would have. But mm. well, Nick, if you remember last year at the Watadis, you did hang on to a veto. Oh, do I have an extra one? You do have an extra one. That's right. Oh, so we're all on even footing. So we're all on even footing now. You 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 uh, did have a rollover veto from last year. Oh yeah, I remember that. Remember now. that? Okay. We yeah, discussed yeah, yeah. that. Interesting. Um. So yeah, we'll all be. God, I can't believe that was already last year. Like, yep. yeah, that does not feel like that long ago. Yeah, I don't like that. Oh, <sighs> uh, guys, we did it. Look we at did us. It. Look at <laughs> us. Look at us. Look at us. What a slog. What Three a hours. Slog. Great podcast. I think. Yes. Nobody's going to listen to this. Oh, they will. If they listen to Rogan, they can listen to this. It does. It do, we, the, the relationship we have in this podcast, in this particular podcast, does evolve. Mm-hmm. It, it starts out ugly. Right. It starts out pretty ugly, guys. We grow to love each other. We do. Yeah. yeah. There was an arc. <laughs> there was an arc. Uh, wow. Okay. That's the list. That's Spider-Man. I look forward to watching even more Spider-Man movies in the near future. Uh, As we said next week, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is coming out. And uh, also just recently announced, and there was a teaser trailer, uh, Spider-Man Through the Spider-Verse Part 1. I saw that. It's right around the corner. Apparently, the next film in the animated series is going to be a two-parter. And it's called Into... No, uh, Through the Spider-Verse. I'm sorry. Through, across the Spider-Verse. Across okay. the Spider-Verse? Yeah. Across the Spider-Verse. All right. Sweet. Sweet. There we go. I'm sure not going to get confused by those titles. 
Yeah. They just Those keep are gonna be easy to keep into, straight. Yeah, keep adding Spider Verse and keep adding Home to every title. Far from home, no way home. There's no way to uh, confuse those titles. I was typing in, like, I was like, oh, I want to watch Spider-Man Far From Home, and I typed in no way home. I'm like, where the fuck is the movie? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this is the wrong movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hope uh, the next one is called At Home in the Spider-Verse, <laughs> and uh, maybe the Spider-Verse Home. I don't know. And now Doctor Strange is in the Multiverse of Madness? Yeah. Well, you could, so have, you could essentially just refer to this entire wave of Marvel as the multiverse of madness because that's what's happening. Yeah, they're doing everything. Yeah. The I'm not sure if I'm into it quite yet. Well, this is the point where they can say, all right, we're done telling serious stories and <laughs> we can do whatever we're, the fuck we want. We're just going to, yeah, like, I mean, what, you want She Hulk versus Thor on the moon? All right, here it is. Like, right. you know, Cause that's, I'm, that's where this is going. Because it's going to start. Uh, crossing over into other like franchise at at, a, at at some point I do see. Do you think they'll do a DC crossover? <laughs> they could do it. I mean, oh, they I could know, give them enough money crossover, but I mean, DC is doing a similar thing with the multiverses. I yeah, think, right? Yeah, that's right. No, they absolutely will. They absolutely There's probably two will. Jokers. There's already two Batman. It's true. You know? Think about this though for for how far they could go with the Marvel movies. There is a in the Deadpool universe. There is a panda pool. So I want them to get to Panda Pool. It's a Deadpool, but he's a panda. Oh, so. like Kung Fu Panda. Yes. <laughs> so they're gonna they're gonna have Jack Black play <laughs> Panda. They, because there's a storyline in which Deadpool kills every single character in the Marvel universe. Everybody. Yeah. He shoots Spider Man's head off. So there is that. So we'll see what happens. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Somehow finds an adamantium sword to kill a uh, fucking Wolverine. <laughs> I hope they do that. They will not. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> but that'd be amazing. All right. Uh, this All was right. fun. I've got enough up. not working today. <laughs> there we, wow. Why did we just kill the whole day? Jesus. Uh, we are doing why is this a thing this week, right? Are we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're discussing yet, but we're discussing something. Uh, we're going to continue the holiday series. Uh, we will be taking a few weeks off. Yeah. We normally take a week off anyway, but the holidays are coming up. And there's so, a few movies we kind of need to see. So the next podcast we will be doing is our top 10 list pod, uh, which again is always a fun time here. Adam and I share our year in review top 10 lists. Um, and I think ours are going to be pretty different if I, if I, if my suspicions are correct. Have you seen Spencer yet? I have. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're probably going to be extremely different. Yeah. I mean, they usually are, uh, but uh, it's always a fun time bickering about the best movies of the year. So that'll be, uh, over here. So I guess we won't do this show until Christmas. So, uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Okay. Uh, and we'll see you in time for the new year. Go listen why is this thing in the meantime? And we love you. Mm. Ain't that right, Nick? Uh yeah, I mean I don't I don't know if I love Adam right now, but <laughs> <laughs> damn it. Guys, until next time. Go make me some cookies with nuts in them. <laughs> Bye.